welcome to another episode of The Greatest Pod, where we discuss and debate what makes something great. I'm Ed Greer. And I'm Ron Swallow. And I am producer Bill. And today we are going to look at a very visual aspect of comic books. And for that reason, we encourage you, if you haven't yet, go find our YouTube page. It's The Greatest Pod on YouTube. And watch this podcast. If you're not going to watch it, we're still going to try to make this a great audio experience, but we are going to be looking at a bunch of pictures because today we are talking about the greatest costume designs we think, you know, across pop culture, but let's be honest, this is mostly comics and some cartoons. Yep. Yeah. 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 We, we won't be uh, addressing a lot of movie costumes, nor their shortcomings, really. So that's why we, it, and it's really more about the iconic line, the iconic design, the sort of, uh, the, um, iconic silhouette. Say the iconic silhouette. one more time, motherfucker. <laughs> 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 but yeah, yeah, the silhouette, that thing that, that makes it different than any other thing at a glance. That's what this stuff is about. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think comics really invented that sort of at a glance iconography, you know, with respect to classic cartoonists, you know, from Disney and and Warner Brothers. But the thing about iconic comic book costumes has always been, oh, this looks like nothing else anybody else wears. And like even in silhouette, I can tell who this is. So for that reason, we thought it prudent to be looking at the source material for so many of our great movies and TV shows, which is comic books. And maybe let's just jump right into it, guys. One of the big, uh, one of the big touchstones, and also I would say an inspiration for many subsequent costumes, is of course the Amazing Spider-Man. There he is, uh, created by the great Steve Ditko, famously after Jack Kirby tried his hand at a version of Spider-Man, because. At that time, all Stan Lee would do would be to give the artist a name, Spider-Man, and let the artist essentially create the character. Jack Kirby came up with something that was way more of like a dude with a gun that shot webs. And Steve Ditko then came in and created sort of the creepy wall crawler that we all know and love. So, guys, thoughts on Spider-Man? Well, I mean, the interesting thing about this the pictures that we're looking at right now, I think I might've selected this one or put it in the thing. There's something, I think they're both John Romita jr. And I think it's from different eras of his life. Like when he was very first starting to get Marvel work, it was the stuff that's on the left. The sort of, uh, he's sort of chunky. He's it's, it's not, he is round. He's round. He gets more angular to the right. As yeah. as as John Romita Jr. ages, his designs get more angular. I think you can see yeah. that kind of. And it's obviously did go inspired, though. Oh yeah, of course. The original costume. It's 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 a rendition of the original costume. Yeah, the the version on the left looks more like his father's work, which was really status quo yeah. Spider Man for a really long time. John Romita Sr. Yeah. Um, it was really the the Marvel House style because John Romita Sr. really laid down you know, what that Silver Age Spider-Man would become. And then, you know, you had guys like Ross Andrew or John Buscema, you know, these guys who came afterward were really just sort of copying what he was doing. And it wasn't really until the 90s that we started to see some real stylistic breaks with Spider-Man. But talking about the costume in general, there's a lot of weird stuff going on here. And I think one of the first things to talk about is those eyes, 
And those have been a consistent source of experimentation for comic book artists throughout the years. And there's something so intriguing and so simple, it almost feels dumb, but like it just works about taking the classic comic book white eyes that you would see on everybody from Batman to Green Arrow to Green Lantern and just making them a little bigger, a little bit more, you know, bigger than is comfortable for a human face. Yeah, a little yeah. buggy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, and it also just uh, makes him expressive without a mouth. You know what I'm saying? Without a real mouth, he can still be expressive with the eyes. So yeah, it it and it's and it can be stretched and pushed, you know, when uh, Todd McFarlane starts drawing it, the eyes get super big, but it's still the same design. It's still it's it's letting it sing, but just through this voice. Yeah, and looking at a Todd McFarlane uh, image here, I think one of the things that you really notice between the John Romita Jr. to the Todd McFarlane is look at the amount of webbing on that costume. If you look mm. back at the old Silver Age model, you know, it's a very, it, it's not it's cluttered. There. It's there. It's not cluttered. Todd McFarlane comes in and suddenly there are so many webs on this costume that, you know, <laughs> it feels tedious to look at, let alone to draw. And yet, it still remains unmistakably Spider-Man. And I think part of that is because just the choice to put that web design across so much of the costume is kind of a weird choice. Like you're giving yourself so much work to do as an artist and it is almost, you know, antithetical to the idea of creating something iconographic, creating something that you see at a glance and you know exactly what it is. There's so much detail in this costume, and yet it doesn't overwhelm, which I think is really a feat. Yeah, I mean, the other thing that's, I mean, you have to think about it, Spider-Man having to sew this, like, that's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of black thread he's sewing into that. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I think it's telling that, like, in all the movie adaptations we've seen, they never go as crazy as the Todd McFarlane version. No, absolutely not. Well, also, just like when you look at the basics of the design, like red boots, red gloves, there's a seam of red that goes up the side of the side of the arm, you know, just just real chunks of color, sort of a belt that's made of a red area around his middle. Mm. There's just something really inspired about how he broke up the sections. It's it's like a only thing I can note as something as fresh as this is like Dave Cockrum's designs for like what would become the X-Men's costumes for almost ever you yeah. know what i'm saying some of those designs were just like this is just bold good stuff right off the bat like steve Ditko, man i mean i, I, I would it, also say he's doing a lot of stuff here that no comics were doing at the time like he removed the trunks and even if you look at kirby's designs for the for the fantastic four which were kind of contemporaneous with the Ditko design for spider-man they still got trunks on there mm-hmm. and the belts are real belts with like buckles that they're putting on over their clothes Spider-Man has the iconography of a belt, but that's not what that is. And so there's just some stuff that at the time was a real radical departure for a superhero. Yeah, well, and, and, but at the same time, it really does make you think of a spider. So, so doing it that way really sells what it is pretty quickly. And yeah, you could just do red with a spider on the, on the thing, but the, those... That choice to put the webbing in there just makes it very clear that this is a spider who uh, this is a Spider-Man who also has webs involved in his life. 
I think is uh, one of those things. <laughs> I know that sounds weird, you know, but it's no, like that's yeah. an important part of it, I think. Yeah. It's almost like absolutely. he's caught in the costume, if you think about yeah. it. It's like there's a net around him. Yes. Yeah, a net of responsibility. That's oh, it. Oh, shit. <laughs> well, um, it, it, yeah. Even when you look at some of the basics of the costume, though, as you look at some of the other versions of Spider-Man where you just sort of stretch the iconography a little bit, like different color schemes, different ways to like depict his like powers. I love the triangle feet era. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Just I mean, all- let me say as a person who uh, has a hard time drawing feet, I love the triangle feet uh, era, too. Well, I mean, and, and granted the triangle feat was uh, very much of its time, but I think it works for Spider-Man in a way because this is a character where it's almost like the more inhuman you push him, the mm-hmm. better it works. Yep. And, yep. and again, even that, just the fact that you're creating a character whose movements can be so indicative of the character. Because if you think about the silhouette, like it is essentially just a naked, hairless human body in silhouette. But, and this was established as far back as Ditko, what makes it immediately recognizable is that he contorts himself into these weird positions that no other character is getting into. And that makes him Spider-Man. And I think if you look at the image we've got on screen right here, you know, both this image of him hanging upside down from the web and this image from behind showcase that this sort of like coiled, hunched Spider-Man could only be Spider-Man. Like, who else is that going to be? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they could put he could dress him up in almost any costume and he yeah. would still be Spider-Man. So just when you really render the costume and you draw him that way, that's why Tom McFarlane was a star, man. Yeah. But like like I was saying, the malleable of the costume, the malleable of the malleability of the cost uh, concept even of Spider-Man. You could just you could do uh when they did I, I'm so glad people like the design of Spider-Man 2099 because I thought all of those comics were going to go away forever. I thought they were gone forever and nobody was even going to remember. And now people like really like in the movie version of the costume. Like, yeah, this was him in the comics as rendered by Rick Leonardi. And it was just like, it was almost like, ah, Spider-Man meets the Punisher, but not quite. Cause he was like, he was like, he was still Spider-Man, but he's got like sort of a cape made of webs. It was really edgy guys. (laughs) And I mean, the little spikes, the little Batman spikes on, and the spikes on his on his uh, hands to grab stuff. I remember, you know, because I was a kid, like I, this was my peak comic reading time when all this stuff was coming out. And most of the 2099 versions of the characters were essentially the main universe characters with more spikes and stuff. But like mm-hmm. they weren't super dissimilar from, you know, their call it the parent design. This Spider-Man 2099 design was so off-putting to me when I was a kid because I was like, why has he got a skull on his chest? Like, (laughs) how does he see? Those aren't eyes. Like, what is this? (laughs) But as an older person who can appreciate design, it is wild how they are really keeping the bones of the Spider-Man design but Mm -hmm. pushing it in a completely weird new way. Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, it, the, the yeah, Spider-Man could be reinterpreted so many ways. They found that out. <laughs> they found that out. Well, and I think sure I think we'll get into a couple more Spider-Man designs here, but it's worth pointing out that one of the other sort of rule-breaking things about the Spider-Man design was the fact that he wears a full-face mask. Like, you mm-hmm. have no idea what's going on under that mask. And up to that point, I mean, 
who else could you really say that about? Maybe Dr. Fate from the old golden age days. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. It was a real rule breaker. Yeah. And uh, also then you don't have to draw a nose. That's pretty dope. <laughs> it is a bit of a shorthand, you, but you guys, anyways, you guys so- ever try to draw a nose? I mean, come on. I have drawn many noses. <laughs> That's because you're a very good artist. Okay, goddammit. And thank you. Yeah. Well, all right. So we talked uh we talked Spider-Man. Now I want to talk about the clone of Spider-Man. I am, of course, on record of being a big fan Uh-oh. of Ben Riley, the spider clone. But listen, there is really something to be said for this scarlet spider design. Okay. I mean, and especially here- in history. It's a time in history when it it's perfect for what it is. Yeah, but I also really appreciate the fact that it literally takes the Spider-Man aesthetic, inverts it, right, color-wise and just the way that, like, the fields of color play on the costume, and then strips it down into this really sort of, like, homemade, jerry-rigged aesthetic. And, like, I love the fact that he's essentially just wearing a ripped hoodie and he's got his he's got his web shooters on the outside. All the stuff that Spider-Man keeps hidden under that sleek Steve Ditko costume. This dude's just hanging out for everybody to see. And I, to me, there's something about that that makes him feel even more like a little bit of an underdog. And it, it harkens back to that idea of like, no, Spider-Man's just a kid who made his own costume, which was never that believable with the Spider-Man design as done by Steve Ditko. Course. Now, a couple of questions um, from this picture specifically. Uh, where do you think he got this pizza from? Where in Brooklyn? <laughs> um, I think that's very important. Uh, I think can you go back Queens. to Yeah. Oh, Queens. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, yeah perfect. Uh, what are in those pouches on his foot, his ankle pouches? Okay. So, can I tell you? Because I don't of, remember. Well, one of the things that they established with Scarlet Spider was that. He had Peter Parker's web shooters, but he enhanced it. So he also carried around what he called impact webbing, which were ah, these little right. spheres of compact webbing that would like explode into a giant net. And he had stingers, which were like poison tip darts that he could shoot out that could help incapacitate somebody. So I just assume he's got some of those in those ankle, in those little ankle. Yeah, and he uh, could just put them in the, the wrist thing real quick when he needs them. Yeah, they're refills. It's just extra. And I mean, honestly, it could just be even more web fluid, you know, just if he needs to make sure he doesn't run out. Yeah. Yeah. Who drew this? Well, this is the great Tom Lyle. Tom, RIP, but Tom Lyle, I believe, I know that they had a couple of the Spider Man artists at the time take cracks at the Scarlet Spider design. I want to say Mark Bagley did a bunch of work on it, but. The Scarlet Spider's very first appearance in comics was drawn by Tom Lyle and uh, very much an artist of his time. But I don't know. I thought it kicked ass. And I will say this hoodie, this hoodie look also presages another Spider-Man variant that we're about to take a look at. But before we move on, Ed, any thoughts on Scarlet Spider? My thing with with all of the extra spider guys were like, it was just Marvel trying to like make Spider-Man over kind of, and see if they could like get another Spider-Man and like, see if they could update him or whatever, see if they could make him an edge, you know? And, and in that way, I think they absolutely succeeded because yeah, the DIY aesthetic of his stuff. I've, 
I've been a spider. I've been a web shooters outside the thing forever. I think I might have got addicted to it with like I saw those old ass tapes at the original comic book conventions where they would show you that shitty Spider-Man show where he like shot out yarn and shit. Yeah. And like their conception of the web shooters was actually one of the only cool things about the shit. He had these kind of bulky web shooters around his wrist so you could like see very clearly where the webs came from and shit like that. And it kind of sold it. So like when this design came back around, I was like hoodie web shooters on the outside. I would have maybe picked something besides like super this red. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like I, I you know, th- there's some little things that probably I would have did something more like uh what they've done with Spider Gwen or Miles or something. But this right here paves the way to that type of stuff. Yeah. Well, and now that you've mentioned it, let's take a look at the amazing Spider Gwen. I will go on record. I think this is the greatest sort of variant take on the Spider-Man costume that they have done to date. There, there's something yeah. so simple, but also complex. The way that they weave that pink web pattern mm-hmm. in both, you know, both on her outfit, but then also on the inside of her hoodie. I think yeah. that's an amazing design. And even the way that they rim those eyes, not with like a hard black line, but with that, you know, kind mm-hmm. of soft spray painted look. It's yep. it's just amazing. And even up down to the ballet shoes. And that sort of being a real indication of like where she comes from with her movement, which is very different mm-hmm. than Peter Parker. I think this is just a home run. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the way that the, uh, yeah, the way that the uh, purple webbing sort of jazz snakes through the costume appearing and disappearing and, and, and all the fresh places and on the inside of the hoodie is a great touch. Absolutely. I mean, it's just really a great touch. And yeah, the ballet shoes, I like the ballet shoes or the chucks, but I like her, for some reason, her shoes being sort of a turquoise and the rest of her stuff being sort of purple and uh, white. There's something fresh about that even. Like, it's like she's she's a rebel. <laughs> she, she doesn't, yeah. She's not matchy-matchy. She, she wears what she wants to wear. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I will also say I think one of the great indicators of a good costume design is if the toys look kick-ass. And I would say both the Scarlet Spider and this Spider-Gwen toy that we're looking at here, mm-hmm. like those are toys that you want to play with. Like those are those are kick-ass looking toys. And that that I think is a, a good indicator for, you know, if the design is working. Yep. All right. 100%. So now that we've talked about uh, a Marvel arachnid hero. Let's bring up, and maybe this is not one that you were expecting us to get into, but let's bring up a DC arachnid hero, and that is the most modern conception of the Blue Beetle. Yeah. Da-dun. Ron, what, what do you like well, about what, this? What I super like about this is that it looks so alien, and it mm. looks kind of scary, but I also just love when you put blue and black together, like as far as mm. a color aesthetic goes together, not, to, I mean, I know that's very super simple, but like, and the design in it is, is it does look like a bug, but it also feels like it's from a different planet. Like it's, it's, and it's otherworldly. So it's kind of scary uh, going up against something like that in my mind. Like if I'm a villain and I see that coming at me, I'm going, okay, well, I got to think about this a little bit. The thing I really like about this, and you'll see it come up with some other ones that I've thrown into our picks here, is this is a great take on armor. And specifically, I think the face mask is a really great take on um, the idea of a helmet. 
And I think that like not enough superhero costumes really push the idea of what the face mask is or could be. But I think that this is a great example of a face mask that certainly has precedence. Like it's not like they're reinventing the wheel, but it's like they're combining spawn eyes with Spider-Man oversized eye holes with the Batman beyond, like you can see my mouth, even though I'm wearing a mask with sort of almost a power Rangers helmet aesthetic. And you smash all that together and you get something that ends up looking very unique. Yeah, and a I, tiny bit favorite, of Iron Man. Yeah, well, my favorite shit is the uh, the scarab design because it's like in every design, every time somebody draws it, you have to very clearly see that the scarab is attached to him. Mm-hmm. It's grabbing him. It's three legs that one by down by his hips, one under, on his rib cage, and one over his shoulders. They're grabbing him and holding on to him, and it's and his two like swords over his shoulders are basically its mandibles. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's like. That that shit really gets across that this motherfucker is a beetle. You are a beetle. You know what I, you know what I mean? Well, and and pointing out those mandibles that kind of come up over his shoulders, I think that's another great choice to just create a really unique silhouette, as we're going to keep talking about, mm-hmm. but also keeping it grounded in like, okay, that's not just sort of for the sake of being cool decoration, like they've worked it into the scarab, which is the source of his powers, which is the alienness that Ron is talking about. Cause it comes from another planet. And so, yeah, it's going to be on display, but it also just makes it a really, really unique outline for this character. Yeah. hundred percent. Now let me ask you guys something, both as artists who have designed their own characters, when you're doing this sort of thing, that is kind of some of the stuff you think about, right? Uh, completely. I mean, the the whole idea of the unique silhouette, I think, comes from like Tex Avery, who was one of the original Warner Brothers animators that like you should be able to look at a character, just the outline filled in all black and immediately recognize that character. And if you think about any of those Warner Brothers characters, Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Porky Pig, Foghorn Leghorn, all those characters mm. follow that rule to a T. And I think where it gets almost simplified in comics language is like, look, we know that pretty much every character is going to essentially have a muscular, you know, idealized human body. So what do you do within that to make it very, very unique? And so, you know, early guys almost got a, not a pass, but like they had a little bit easier because like when they created Batman, just the ears and the scalloped cape was all you needed, man. And that immediately yep. creates a unique silhouette with something like this. There've been a lot of different silhouettes created in the intervening years. So you're going a little bit more outside the box, but when you go more outside the box, you have to justify it in some way. It can't just be like, eh, throw some fins on his shoulders because no other character looks like that. That's fine. You know, it, a well, really good design incorporates it into the character's backstory. Well, what okay? What did he look like before? Well, like yes. the the one the one right before this one. Yeah. Okay, that's there the one is. from like J- like the JLA Europe and stuff. And yeah, with, with it, it's Gold the original. Jazz. It's the original Charlton design of like Blue Ted Beetle. Cord. Ted Cord. Ted Cord. Exactly. Okay. So I mean, look, this is a fantastic drawing, and it is a dumbass costume. I, I will say this for the Ted Cord. Blue I Beetle. like his. I like the torso of it. Agreed. I think it, the I torso. The skirt. Is the skirt is great. 
Those are trunks. <laughs> those, those are, are trunks. Those are tr- <laughs> you son of a bitch, you. You with this slander. I'm not like that him. Yeah, well, shut up. <laughs> so <laughs> okay. yeah, I just think his torso is great. I think the torso yeah, design is. is really cool. The and really, you do yeah. see a beetle in there too. It is a yeah. nicely yeah. I've I've always loved the juxtaposition of dark blue and light blue. You don't see a lot of superheroes with that sort mm. of monochrome color palette. Yeah. And I think this really works, especially using like the thick black line as the line of demarcation between the two. It's a very graphic look. Again, there's some weird things here. The whole lower body is very just stock superhero. Throw them in yeah. some trunks and some, you know, just below the knee boots. Again, the gloves, same thing. But yeah, I'm with Ed. Like from the shoulders to the navel, there's some cool stuff going on in this costume. And the mask is pretty cool, despite being pretty traditional in a lot of ways. Yeah, but but if you're talking about that uh, thing you mentioned with Tex Avery of the silhouette, uh, that mm. could be it, literally anybody. I mean, that could be Spider-Man for all you know. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's exactly. True. And I think that's, that's true. I think that's what changes it from not being quite as cool as the new version. I, it is still great, though. Like you are right; it is still really interesting. I like the goggles look to it as well. Well, so. and you can see the inspiration that they take going from this version, the Ted Cord version, to this version, the Jaime Reyes version. Like yeah. a lot of that same iconography, the thick black line helping to give you um, your your symbol. Uh, even the the uh, helmet has some of the same designs to it with, you know, goggle like eyes, but they're a little yep. bit different. So, you know, they preserve enough while updating it in all the ways that we've talked about. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's, that's a good new school. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't have brought that up, but looking at it, it, it deserves it. Yeah. Yeah. We've got a couple weird, uh, obs- more obscure DC ones in here that I'm, I'm excited to get to, but since we're seeing them here in the lower right, and since we've yeah. already brought them up, we might as well go to one of the all-time greats, and that, my friends, is, of course, Batman. Batman! Yes. Batman. Batman! Well, and see, these are the, uh, I think, Jose uh, Luis Garcia Lopez uh, turnarounds for, like, all sorts of bat stuff and toys and different stuff. Just like, this is what he looks like, period. Use exactly. it for all the different areas of the corporation, but this is what he looks like. So being able, A, to be able to draw so damn good that they trust you to do that is amazing. You can <laughs> see that he has a mastery of human form. It's, 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 he's got it's a good, delts. Uh, it's a good ass. Well, right I'm, I'm looking at his delts and his lats and his serratum, but yes, you can look at his glutes if you'd like to, Ron. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm <laughs> it's kind of and a flat ass, to be honest. It is, like, actually. Ron, it's I'm, not I'm as quibble a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, now that I look at it, it's not as badonkadonk as I would like. Well, I he think works on his hamstrings. He works, on, he works on his hamstrings a lot, as you can see. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a good point. Well, He's not look, doing as many squats. This is all beside the point because this is all down a little bit to the artist style. But if you yeah, go beyond the artist style and look at the costume, it's, I mean, there's a lot of shit that just works. And there's a lot of shit here, too, that I think is maybe get maybe gets a pass, like I said previously, for being part of the golden age when superhero designs were first being codified. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I, I was never really a fan 
a fan of gold shield Batman situation. It was mm-hmm. always part of my life because it was like it was the de rigueur bat thing for the whole life. I mean, way before 89. I mean, 89 yeah. did it because it was in the comic books forever. And it's just like I always liked a little simpler bat design, but I think it was because one of those original comic book hipsters that was like, what if the 40s crappy costume was drawn good though by modern people? You know, Mazzicelli did that to the nth degree and a lot of other people jumped in to do shit. So yeah, I just love, love Ooh. the like, it's like you go, this guy, see like one of them will help you across the street. This guy is like Belly Lugosi. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's something powerful there. Yeah, so we're yeah. looking at the this is the David Mazzucchelli Batman from Batman Year One specifically, and so this has a little bit more of that '40s flavor where he's very much drawn to be a little bit more Dracula-like. Um, he's very much drawn to have black cape, mask, boots, gloves, as opposed to the more classic blue uh, cape, mask, boots, and gloves. And then he's also got that little bit of a bow to his ears in this one, where they kind of. It's like they've been stressed under a weight or something. Like they're kind of buckling to the outside. What are, I I have never really jived with that. I know some people do. I like a good straight ear on my Batman. <laughs> oh, you like? The I think this one. Uh-huh. This one. This one kind of evokes a little bit of the demonic as well. Like just just sort of like like horns or or turned or like you know the ear turned into like. Like the animal is listening to something, you know, hell important sure. is about to jump on you. All of those things are communicated with that turned in slash uh, bent in ear. Whereas the, the the one on the on the sides, it communicates. It does communicate. So the stubby ears that are kind of to the exact side really communicate stability. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And the Neil yeah. Adams length communicates that as well. You know what I'm saying? They just seem like, yeah, dude, he's ready. As running yeah, at that, full speed, they're still straight as an arrow. Yeah, that I mean, that Neil Adams Batman design is so iconic. We're taking a look at it here. This is from um, one of the most iconic images of Batman from when he first fought Rachel Ghoul, as drawn yeah. by Neil Adams. But I always felt like, I mean, it was the Neil Adams cowl design that was transported directly for the Michael Keaton movie. Yeah, you know that that to me, I, I was always kind of a triumph of that that mm-hmm. first Batman '89 movie. Yeah, yeah, um, that that costume is the one of the dopest costumes for sure, and it definitely incorporated the the gold shield that had been part of Batman iconography forever. Yeah. Uh, even adding a little extra bat feet or or extra bat butt down at the bottom, you know what I'm saying? Because it seemed yeah. like in the comic book iconography, it's just like oh, yeah. his oh. his uh yeah the little yeah we're we're zooming in on the actual uh bat symbol. It's got more little points you know as as though to indicate like the bat's butt or little or little hind legs or something and then that straight drop down tail which bats have tails is that what they do Um, i mean sort of kind of something to um to uh stabilize them when they fly because everything that flies generally needs something to do that so yeah also worth noting that that symbol was simplified into the more classic corporate batman logo logo for batman returns and subsequently yeah, mm. yeah see and uh yeah can you go back to the neil adams real quick uh, of course i think okay yeah this is the one where the joker he was trying to fight the joker and the joker like beat his ass and had all this uh he threw him, threw him in an aquarium where he had to like save a guy in a wheelchair while a shark was trying to eat them. And he mm. got really 
down by that and then he has to chase the joker down the uh down the sand that's this that's that that's what that's from oh no kidding see i thought this was from the rachel ghoul story but you just schooled yeah. me so no yeah like uh read the, the the panel says uh the battle in the aquarium and i was like yeah and he's talking about how he can't get up to full speed because he got beat up but i think the joker slips on a slimy rock from pollution or something it's like hey hey kids don't pollute <laughs> <Some> <laughs> I, I do want to mention one thing um about this costume but then it's also in the drawing which is the shadow of mm. of the costume it looks so menacing and and so kind of bat like it's almost like a bat batish symbol that mm. he's putting uh, as on he the runs ground yeah on the ground it's almost like the costume is making an extra thing for him that that is going to create more intimidation eventually when you you know you're behind a light and someone sees a a bat thing on the wall and it's like what's the you know, all of that sort of thing. I mean, I've always loved the fact that Batman's silhouette is essentially his symbol. Like, there's yeah. something kind of amazing about that. Yeah, it's it's pretty dope. I, it's just one of those things where you're like, there's so much, there's so much function to the to the to the Batman's costume, yeah. and, and it works in so many different ways. And even in this one, where we're looking at, where it's like, look, I'm Batman who's smiling. But also, mm-hmm. I'm Batman who looks like a bat. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, I will say this. As much as this costume, in a lot of ways, is just a superhero template costume. You know, it's mm-hmm. trunks, a belt, standard length boots, standard length gloves. They add these little pointy accoutrements to every part of his costume that really sells that sort of demonic look that Ed was talking about from He's, he has horns. He's got these scalloped, razor-looking things on his forearms. Even his boots come to a point. And I think every great yeah. Batman design acknowledges that as well, to say nothing of the scalloped cape. So there is something about, like, when you look at him in silhouette, he's just pointy all over. And there that is inherently menacing. He's got, like, he looks sharp, no matter how yeah. you're looking at him. And also the thing about, like, comic in comic books you give the artist a chance to interpret something every time you, you give them an opportunity to draw one of these characters. And with Batman, it's like, I'm just looking at this basic Batman. I can see this basic Batman and Batfleck and Bale and all the different Batmans, the, the Lieber Miho Batman. I, this Batman is inside Lieber Miho's Batman. He sure. just leatherized the capes, the case, uh, the Cape. And he made the, uh, the belt, like, just fuck it, man. Fuck these little tubes. There's <laughs> no way Batman could put anything useful in little tubes like this. The, you know, the classic Bat belt had little kind of chapsticks all around the Bat belt that were supposed to have highly concentrated bullshit for Batman to do stuff with. Lieber Miho was like, no one could do that. Put big fat pouches, like, you know. Uh, and it's just like, and he went even deeper than those pouches. Those pouches are red, re- regular regulation size. You can right. have the same sort of type of stuff in each of them. No, 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 no. I need a night uh, night light, uh, a flashbang grenade, a pouch like that, a batarang. You know what I'm saying? Like, like somebody really apportions their gear. You know, yeah. a lot of times it isn't symmetrical. It needs to be where it needs to be for maximum effectiveness. Well, and ju- just talking about how you can push the design. Ooh. I mean. This, uh, this is, is a, Kelly Jones. Yeah. This is a Kelly Jones pinup of Batman. One of the great stylists in all of comics, Kelly Jones. But if you look at it, this costume is the exact same costume yeah. 
yeah. as this Jorge Luis Garcia Lopez, like marketing, you know, smiling Batman. You look at this Kelly Jones where he's perched above a gargoyle looking so sort of deformed because of Kelly Jones's style, but it is still the same Batman design. And there is something amazing how like you can retain the character and the recognizable silhouette, even when you're pushing it to very extreme proportions, very extreme chiaroscuro, all the stuff that Kelly Jones is doing in this in this image. Yeah, super yeah, tall ears. ears looking scary yeah. as hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that pool of cape, there's like a pool of cape around his neck. That's almost like there's a pool of cape around his knees and a pool of cape around his neck, almost making it seem like he's coming out of like a portal or something. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like his, he's, he's of another universe. He's even colored a little different uh, and laid out a little different than the rest of the background, which is more muted and gray. He's like stark black and white. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And he, there's no hatching on his body, really. It's all actual, just like pools of black. So it's like, man, he he exists on another plane, man. When you get when you get deep on the Batman artistry, they could really make him look like how he would pr- be perceived by people. It looks like yeah. he came from another dimension. It looks like he's not even a real guy. I mean, you know, yeah. I also think that that, that cape, and I think it's the combination of the character being sort of this thing from the shadows and the fact that you like you just add those weird scallops to the bottom of the cape that makes it more recall like bat wings the cape becomes such a stylistic statement across all those different artists and it's been treated so many different ways and that i think almost starts maybe a deleterious trend in comics where it's like suddenly capes have to be the most expressive you know most badass part of any character design when really, like, it works for Batman, but that's because it's very specific to Batman. Yeah, and um, it works for Spawn because it makes sense in Spawn. But, like, if you just do it for no reason just because, like, it's cool and it doesn't really go with the character, it's not going to be as cool. But then we haven't hit on it. Or what are we going to next? Because I don't want to mess up the flow because this is interesting. But, like, the cape is a uh, is, is this cape is so different than Superman's cape. Well, and we'll get to Superman's cape. I got a lot of thoughts on Superman's cape. But I think first, okay. before we move off of Batman, um, let's take a look at Batman Beyond. Oh. And, and this is the first appearance of a Bruce Timm design, um, which actually this one might have been Darwin Cook. And Bruce Timm was at least the art director, but I'm not exactly sure who was ultimately responsible for the Batman Beyond design. But very similar to what we were talking about with the Spider-Man designs, taking the basic iconography of Batman and just transposing it into a totally different, (coughs) excuse me, into a totally different milieu. You create something that's like really badass and really specific on its own, but also is very much a piece with the classic Batman design. Now this picture that we're, that we're holding on presently, what, what is this from? Cause that shit looks ill as fuck. (laughs) Amazing. That shit is dope. This is an image drawn by uh, a, a comic book artist named Dyke Ruan. I believe I'm, I'm pronouncing that correctly. But this was a, a cover to a recent comic that DC published um, set in the world of Batman Beyond. 
Wow. Okay, if that costume came out, I wouldn't hate Batman Beyond so much. No, oh. when you go when you go back to the regular Batman Beyond costume, uh, yeah. even that one that I can, I love that there is much like the the twenty ninety nine Batman, uh, rather twenty ninety nine uh, Spider Man costume, mm. just enough design elements, and then design elements like the large ears that are more ear like in their wideness to going down to points. They look like man bat's ears, kind of, but stylized for the Batman brand, which harkens way back to like 40s era Batman costume. Right. You know what I'm saying? That shit is tight. That's what I mean. I, I think that in in a lot of ways, this is an maybe an oversimplification of the Batman design, but I don't know that that's a criticism because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the fact that you just take this down to a black bodysuit but that really kick-ass looking it's still a utility belt but it's a futuristic utility belt on this yep, robotic yep. suit and then just that blood red bat symbol that even itself is a simplification of the bat symbol but again feels more menacing it's like sharper it's more aggressive it's more it's larger it's more in your face um and even the scallops on the arm, it's like we're down from three to two and there's no delineation between them and the arm. Like they're just there for the silhouette. But there's also a reason both traditionally in that Batman has those and then functionally in that they're part of his offensive or defensive weapons. So, you know, there's something about this. I'm a sucker for both simplicity and high contrast in my designs. And this one, I think, fits both to a T. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. the red, it, it, red makes you think of the blood that is about to get out of your face. <laughs> well, just the, the red, the red inside the cape, the cape thing really gets me. The like, he can tuck his cape away and pop it out into these shapes and stuff. Like, like the, uh, gosh, it, I, I think a little, I didn't have very much imagination for um, Batman Beyond when I was a kid because I, I just, I just really didn't like it. I didn't really like the idea of Batman being like this set of attributes you kind of put into a suit and just give to any old asshole shows That's up fair. and helps you fight some guys. I just, I wasn't really down with that part. But as a design thing and as a like, Batman has to like remain and who's gonna, you know, who's gonna do all that goddamn training and go to all these places and you know, <laughs> do all that shit like you did. But nobody would even have the opportunity to do that. So, like, give them a couple shortcuts. Give them some exosuits. Come on, yeah. do it. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a symbol for America. Make it make it easier for your kids to go fight crime. <laughs> I mean, I I always like the idea that the reason the exosuit exists is because he was getting older and he was determined to still be Batman, and so he needed yeah. to start making up for the fact that his body was sort of failing him. Mm-hmm. But then, once you remove it from him, that gives a lot of advantages to somebody who is already sort of young and at least somewhat trained. So yeah. it made sense. It made enough sense for me, but I hear what you're I, <laughs> I really enjoyed Batman beyond. So I'm, I, I did. Too. I got, yeah, this is, it's a good time. Yeah. Well, that's great for you guys. That's just like hey. your opinion, man. <laughs> no, no, but I, I really do like uh, this particular image that we're looking at. I love this design of the Batman beyond suit. I think it's super sick. Yeah. yeah. Well, and so here we're seeing a a totally different take on the idea of Batman's cape where, you know, traditionally the cape can be used as some sort of like glider slash parachute. And that's when it gets unfurled and you see all those great scallops and shapes here. It's just straight up like a glider built into his back that he can unfurl when he needs it. 
But let's go back to what you said, Ron. Batman's cape functions in such a different way from Superman's. So whereas Batman's cape is very much about the sense of menace, the sense of blending into the shadows, you know, the sense of of kind of exaggeration that goes with the character. Yeah, theater. Theater. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, yeah. Superman's cape has an entirely different sort of reason for being. And so let's look at the very first superhero, the one on whom all these costumes are based, way down here at the bottom. Uh, Here we go. Superman. And right away, I got to say, as much as Alex Ross is synonymous with Superman, I don't like this cape treatment in this. In This, this cape here. sucks ass. It's too long. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah, this cape sucks ass and it's too long. It's The dynamics of it are great. That upper that upper part of the fold yeah. and shit, those, fo- those, those lower folds down by his knees. And, and I and love it, the gap in the in the boots where you see the black and the gap of his boots right there mm-hmm. that is fucking super sick that costume is really on his body but yeah shorten that cape up buddy we, we don't got fabric to waste i mean the whole point of it is clearly to like be an inspiration though like the way it's blowing is dramatic and cool it's not it's not intimidating it's not used to intimidate it's 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 almost used to inspire instead of being intimidating I mean, even though it is overdone and huge, a little too long in this drawing, the whole point of it is to inspire people. I think there's an interpretation of Superman that could argue that his cape is meant to look like a flag waving. Yeah. You know, I am not a person who really subscribes to that idea. But if if that's your bag, I hear you. To me, the Superman cape, first of all, you know, Superman is a children's character. And I think the, the the more you try to push him away from being that, the more incongruous everything feels. Interesting. And, and as a children's character, the cape is there to make him look cool when he moves. To me, the cape is yeah. there to accent when he flies, how is he moving? When he runs at super speed, how is he moving? The cape is just a visual cue for like how he exists in space and to really sell the sense of motion. That's what I think Superman's cape is for. Uh, Do you have some examples of that? Well, I certainly have some examples of of the cape length I prefer, but actually I've got one here that's uh, a pretty good example. Where did it go? Here we go. So this is the great Ross Andrew, uh, who famously drew the Superman versus Spider-Man crossover that this image is from. I think this is a perfect Superman cape length. Like, if he was standing straight, it would essentially fall to maybe below his knees. But as he's flying through the air in all these different poses, the cape is just there to accentuate what he's doing in the air, to catch a breeze and just show he's moving fast, he's maybe falling here as the wind picks it up. I think Superman's cape should be used even more than it usually is to accentuate his movement. But this is an example of sort of what I... of what I think of when I think of the cape. This Frank, this Frank Quitely image, the cover of, of all-star Superman number six, where he's looking down at Jonathan Kent's grave is a nice middle ground between the idea of the cape being a flag versus the cape being sort of this motion indicator here, you know, Superman is standing in repose and the cape is there to show that like, despite there being a pretty strong wind, he is still standing straight against it. and But again, I think the cape sells the environment. 
The cape yeah. sells like how he exists in space. And because he's got the cape here, you understand that there's a cold, chill wind blowing across the plane and he's standing there with his back to it. And that automatically sells a mood that I think the piece encapsulates. 100%. And if you're listening here, you should go look up this, this cover because also the grass is clearly being blown mm -hmm. in the same direction. And it adds that yeah, that's okay. Yeah. That really makes a big difference. And it's that, that length you like. Yeah. It's, I mean, to me, like guys like Frank Whiteley, Doc Shaner, who's one of the great modern Superman artists, even though he hasn't drawn the character professionally nearly enough. If you go and look up his uh, Instagram in particular, Superman is one of the characters that he loves playing around with and he yeah. gets the cape length exactly right. Another guy that I love is Francis Manipal. Um, again, a guy who doesn't oh, draw Superman professionally quite enough. One of the things I love that Manipal does that I do when I draw Superman is he imagines the blue of Superman's costume essentially being an even lighter value than his skin tone. And to me, I think that, ach that achieves two things. Number one, it means that he's always going to be approachable because his suit is as bright as you can imagine. There's nothing, you know, murky, shadowed, dark about him. Yeah. And number two, it creates the opportunity to do what I like to call the anti-silhouette, where like even if his even if the rest of him is in complete darkness, that bo his body is still going to be light. You know what I mean? Like you can imagine this Superman being in shadow, his cape is black, his boots, his trunks, his face even is black, but this costume isn't going to get quite black. And to me, that really is a great graphic way to accentuate the idea of this guy being like a beacon of light, being a beacon of hope. I think more than a big regal cape, a good bright costume does that for you. <clears throat> Agreed. Because I, I do think the muting of Superman was just, it was the wrong direction, just like the fucking uh, pouchification of, of Batman may have been <laughs> a problem. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There, there's certain um, uh, trends that come through. So yeah, I, I do like the circus. Uh, anything that, that harkens back to the fact that he's a circus strong man and that they all wore trunks and capes and shit to communicate stuff and indicate the motion of the dope stuff they were doing for large audiences that maybe didn't have the best seat in the house. Right. All this stuff, all these things that harken back. Superman's a, Superman's the guy. It. I mean, look, he should look like an old school wrestler when it comes yeah. down to it. Like that's mm. the aesthetic of a good Superman. Okay. I like one it. thing. One thing I do want to point out, and this is a rule that I came up with that is 100% correct. And I'm glad to have the forum <laughs> to really put it out there in the universe. This is, a, this is a smaller image, but I want to point out any great Superman design, especially in comics, will have equal vertical proportions on the blue of his upper body and the blue of his lower body. Ooh. which means the cut of the trunks and the height of the boots uh. do a lot of work. And I think that this is one of the main drawbacks. If you look at, say, Christopher Reeves' Superman, well, you, mm. you can't see his legs here, but one of the things that they do wrong, because his belt hits essentially at his navel, 
It gives him this great stocky upper body look, but the cut of the briefs are way high, almost like a woman's bikini. So when you see him in a full in a full body shot, the blue of his legs are substantially longer than the blue of his torso, which essentially makes him look leggy. It makes him look feminine. And that's just, it, it's not a good choice with Superman. So if you're going to do, a sh- and this is tough because a human body in real life is proportioned differently than your superheroic body on the page. And so it's easier to get away with this on the page. But if you are going to include the trunks in live action, this is a rule that in my mind must be followed. Just a little bit more trunk. I think a little bit more trunk. That's what I'm saying. Evened it out. Yeah. Give him a little more trunk and suddenly he looks a lot more balanced. And even Alex Ross pull the line of that trunk down a little bit. And he's going to, the trunks are going to look less awkward because they don't look like a woman's bikini. And the whole body is going to look more balanced as it stands right here. He looks, he looks to me out of proportion. His legs look too long for his upper body. If you just pull the line of the trunk down a little bit, he stands a lot stronger to me. Well, this is definitely him being like, like I, I've seen your drawings, and I think that you kind of abhor the ten heads high person. I yeah. think you really don't like that, and I think that this is definitely a nine. This is like a nine heads high person, at least. You know, if you really look at it, I feel you, but I still think that the rule applies. Like, if you could just oh, yeah. do what Frank Whiteley does here. Right, and, and if you look at any Frank Whiteley image of Superman, he follows this rule. And by the way, so do, ah, we don't have it on here, but like even Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, who draws you know Superman with a stockier torso, makes up for it by essentially bringing his boots almost to his knees. And so still, the blue is balanced. It's just a visual design thing. The vertical mm. dimension of the blue of the upper body needs to match the vertical dimension of the blue of the lower body. And that is non-negotiable. <laughs> I don't think they will do, do the deal, but there you go. Yeah. You see how, yeah, that really does make him look different. You're right. Yeah. Anyway, so that's my treatise. But Ross Andrew does it as well. You don't really see a good full body shot of Superman here, but he adheres to it as well. It's pretty I think balanced. That's what I'm saying. I think that the best Superman artists, even if they can't articulate it, just have an innate design understanding that this is how the trunks are supposed to work in relation to the rest of his body. It divides the body into two even fields of blue. And so, like I said, got to be that way, non-negotiable. Okay, <laughs> let's, let's talk about the, the, the costume a little bit. We talked about the cape and all that and the non-negotiable blue, but like boots... It's a little more underwearish looking for the trunks. Well, I don't, it doesn't have to be though. And again, if you go back to this Francis Manipal version, I guess that yeah. one is more underwear. That one's more underwear looking. But like the Frank Quitely version, to me, is a great treatment of the trunks, where it it looks more like wrestling trunks. It doesn't look like something that's going to ride up his ass crack if you see him from behind. <laughs> now I'm just picturing. Uh, soups with a, a wedgie. Pardon the uh, siren in the background. I don't know exactly what why they're sending police down here, but well, they're like, hey, man, looks like there's some drawings of Superman that aren't quite balanced. We're gonna have to come and uh, break this party up. 
<laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. That's a fun, it's actually an ambulance, but it's 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 going away now, so it'll be gone in a minute. Um, yeah, they be, they beat up the people drawing Superman wrong. I'm telling you, this yeah, happens. I, I love it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, again, you know, the trunks are a big issue for me. Where it's man, maybe we should just wait this out. Yeah, what is happening? That's what. Uh, I don't know. They're sending a fire a fire engine and an ambulance past my house right now. Cloverfield. We'll have to, we'll have <laughs> <Did> to... <laughs> it's gonna say uh, a big ass yeah. crab leg comes through your fucking ceiling. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "What's Superman now?" Shit. <laughs> yeah. All right, All right we're think, ready. I think we're okay. All right. Yeah. But so, yeah, the trunks for me are kind of a sticking point. I, I don't like essentially Christopher Reeve-style trunks where they look like a bikini, where they do look like, I don't know, to me, if you look at this, like, he's got a wedgie in the back. You know what I mean? Yeah. That Those high hip huggers are just not a great look. I, I'd yeah. love for the trunks to be more trunks, almost like boxer briefs. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, that's 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 why I always like uh, Daredevil's designs. All of Daredevil's designs that are actually good, they really do a good job of keeping away from the wedgie situation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's that's why I always love that. Because, but it's the same thing. Red trunks selling the superhero ideal, looking like an old school wrestler or boxer or whatever. That's that's exactly what it needs to be. Because like, yeah, trunk. <sighs> They have to look cool from the back too, man. They, they, they kick kick you in your mouth. You don't want to, you know, see their nuts when they're kicking you high or whatever, you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we gotta get some trunks in here, man. I do yeah. see what you're saying about how this blue is not quite as good as a lighter blue, which is crazy because I'm used to this blue. But now that you've showed me that other blue, like I guess Frank quietly does uh, the the same thing too. Exactly. Like, that blue is just a, a little brighter, a little better. That's interesting. And it's tough. I mean, I think it would be tough to do in live action. Like, I yeah. didn't hate the way that they took Superman's costume in Man of Steel. Um, that said, if you could find a way, like, to combine a material with a lighting scheme with maybe some CG enhancement to make it almost seem like the suit itself is slightly luminescent, like it catches ambient light, like, a little bit more than any sort of normal fabric. I think that'd be an amazing treatment of Superman suit. Yeah, I'm excited to see what Gunn's going to do with the whole thing. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm just uh, curious if the because the costume's probably going to change. We're going to get a different style of Superman. I know we're getting that, so super curious to see how that's going to come out. All right. Well, you know, we know some of the drawbacks on Superman's costume. The the you know. The ubiquity of just the chest emblem, I think, is yeah. maybe a little bit restricting for superheroes. Works great for Superman, but like not every superhero needs to have a chest emblem. And of course, the trunks uh, were not a great trend to introduce into the superhero design scheme. But you got to give props for the guy who did it first. And as far as like a classic superhero costume, still does it best. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's 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 definitely that that word again, iconic. There mm-hmm. isn't that every every choice that a Batman costume, let's say, takes is off of this format. Off, off you know, all of these guys and the 
cape or no cape, trunks or no trunks, symbol in your chest or no symbol in your chest, bisecting belt situation or some sort of design around there that kind of suggests a bisecting belt situation like Spider-Man has. You know, just it all comes from this template. So, like, we got to give – we definitely got to give props. I mean, he he spawned a thousand yellow belts. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, I mean, it is true, too. The, the color scheme of blue, red, yellow, the primary colors, just became de facto – if you're a hero – you got mm-hmm. dominant blue, red, or yellow in your costume, and that's the way it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's why Batman got pushed more towards blue. Obviously, blue has yeah. always been a way to indicate light hitting black, but they really blewed him up in in the in the heyday, you know. Yeah, for like most of his heyday, you know, from even the fifties strange science stories to Neil Adams stuff, all the way up to you know. It started getting darker around like Bernie Wrightson doing like the cult and stuff like that. It kind of it started getting darker in the comics again, and obviously the movie had by '89 made it dark. Had made it cool to have a black bat, you know, black man suit. Uh, and Mezzicelli does a black one too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, there was it was essentially well the gold, from the later Golden Age through most of the Silver Age, you mm-hmm. had a blue and gray Batman. So it, mm-hmm. I mean, it really was well established, and then they started taking it back to back to the roots of that Bill Finger design, which we yeah. should mention. Often credited to Bob Kane, but uh, by all accounts, the real true Batman design was a product of Bill, fin- the great Bill Finger, who yep. um, for a long time was unheralded as a, as a co-creator of Batman, but in recent years has become uh, much celebrated as a co-creator of Batman. Yep, absolutely. Let's so who are we on. looking at next? Yeah, yeah, I this was a Ron choice. And since we've been doing these big iconic heroes, let's go with uh, a small press icon, and that is the goon. Yeah. Uh, created by the great Drew Powell, I believe. Uh, I think it's Eric Powell, but yes, yes. he's uh, great. Well, <laughs> damn it. Drew Powell, who's that? Anyway, created by the great Eric Powell, uh, the goon. Ron, what do you love about it? Well, what I like about this character, because I guess this is more of a design, but it's also it is a costume because it's like the hat, the gloves, the the striped shirt. It says who this dude is. You 100 percent see what that guy is by what he's wearing, period. He's he is a goo. He's the guy who punches people out. That's what he does. And and by the way, I think that this design makes great use of just like popular consciousness where it essentially combines like a, the hat and gloves of the ubiquitous 1940s street thug with yep. the striped shirt of the ubiquitous prisoner across all of pop culture. So yeah. it's like you're taking two iconic cartoon images and just smashing them together into a costume. Yeah, yeah. Now that's well observed. That is, that's exactly why he's so cool. Yeah, it just tells you who the character is immediately, and 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 you even you even get a little bit of of a uh, a silhouette out of this guy with the hat and 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 the gloves. You, you even with the silhouette, you still get a a pretty good idea of who this would be. Well, I think that this sort of crosses in more into character design than just costume design, which is another yeah. episode that we will be doing. But the silhouette of his face in particular is very specific. And then when you pair that with the hat and with the gloves, mm-hmm. it becomes an iconic silhouette. Yeah. 
So yeah, I, that, and, you know, it's a small one that I wanted to talk about, but it's a pretty great. First off, no, it's a good is, comic. If you haven't read it, oh, fantastic! Just well, and it. it's also it's, just like it shows you that like the reason why we're talking about Eric Powell right now is he did exactly what the big boys did and what Mignola uh, Mignola does and what some of these guys do is like they're able to play the iconic game with the big boys. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Uh, with their designs. Yeah. Well, since you since you mentioned it, maybe we got to hit it next. Oh, baby. This is one of the all-time great designs in all of pop culture, certainly in comics, and that, of course, Mike Mignola's Hellboy. Yeah. So there's so much that works about this, and this is another one that blurs the line between costume design and character design, but Mignola is renowned for his sense of design and composition, and I think that his greatest creation is a testament to all that. The the two shaved down horns on his forehead is just an absolute stroke of genius. Like the the silhouette is pretty iconic and recognizable with the horns, um, which we do have an image of here somewhere. Da, 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 as I try to, oh, I think it's far, it's farther. It's yeah, it's oh, farther here. up. Yeah. So you see him with the horns, and that's a pretty iconic uh, design. But once you chop those things off, and it just becomes those very iconographic circles. So this one is perfect to me because one of the things about Hellboy is he's a guy who wants to be part of the world, but knows he can't be part of the world. So he wears a trench coat. <laughs> mm-hmm. you, you see what I'm saying? And it's and it's and it again. And that costume, it tells you exactly what you want to know. He's trying to sort of fit in, but also trying to hide a little bit at the same time. And and that trench coat right there alone lets you know what, what he's doing. Of course, we got a good belt with his tools and the things he's going to use in the fight. That's that's, that's like that, um, that Batman utility belt as drawn by Lieber Miho that Ed was talking about earlier, mm-hmm. where it's just got everything possible kind of slapped together on it. Dude, and that's what I was about to say, man. That's what I'm talking about. It's like this the, the, life doesn't give you these even things. They give you three on this side, one on that side, one on the back. You know, it's for 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 best utility. And it's really cool. Things don't really match up aesthetically like little pellets along your belt that, that that's not real so i love that that um in this fantasy world he can't have little pellets and little super small things on his belt in this fantasy world of demons and gods and monsters he still has big chunky shit all over his belt because that's what he needs to do his job i, I love it i love it the, that, that's the yeah. beauty part and the time the things you choose to make realistic versus not you know yeah, yeah. and the trench coat is also am i am i remembering correctly that it's a military ish yeah, I mean, I think I think it's a little bit up to interpretation because uh, Mignola's art style is so simplified. Um, I always read it as almost being like a Bogart style trench coat, you know, just okay. a very classic tan trench coat. Yeah, um, but certainly it it could be like a military. I mean, I think the original trench coat was literally from World War One when during trench warfare and it started raining and snowing. They issued trench coats to the military. Yeah. And so part of me was thinking part of that also is him thinking of uh, him as a soldier, because that's kind of how Hellboy thinks of himself in some of some of these runs is he's a soldier saving people, doing the doing the fighting that needs to be done. Um, Mm. And and 
has that look for it as well, while also having that need to fit in and be part of the world that he's been thrust in. So it's 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 also such a smart choice um, from a design perspective because the character has so many unique elements to his body. It would be overkill to put him in something that felt like a costume. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it'd be yeah. overkill to put him in like some over-designed spandex getup. So, also, the sense of motion. He gets the sense of motion from the from the trench coat and the tail, but he didn't have to really depend on the tail all the time. Yeah. Yeah. This is definitely one where we're gonna be talking about the design uh for this will be a double. This this will definitely be in the cost uh in the um the greatest uh, character designs as well. I mean, I would also say Ed kind of brought this up with the belts, the the idea of asymmetry, which is so far not something that's been brought up here, but I think could often works wonderfully in these pop culture designs. And the idea of Hellboy having that right hand of doom, that his, mm-hmm. his hand is grafted to this giant stone gauntlet that, you know, is sort of unhideable and unmistakable, again, is just a great piece of silhouette design where it's like no matter what like even if you see him in a pro in a, in a silhouette where you can't make out the horns and maybe he's even you know got a hood up or something he's still gonna have that damn right hand of doom and it's unmistakable and so that becomes a part of his costume design as well that i think is just fantastic because it feels like something that they would graft to you in hell right you've got this giant heavy stone hand you can't hold anything delicately because you have this stone hand so it works from a character perspective but then it also is just a brilliant piece of design man also uh if you can go like two two three down from that that adam hughes one yes that's adam hughes drawing like the hand of doom the trench coat the stuff and you see adam hughes draws so much more um in a, more of a complicated fashion than mike mignola but mm-hmm. every single design note has been heated yep every single one and he's so recognizable as hellboy and i love how the horns are like the classic goggles of sort of ah. smart characters or flying characters or archaeologist sort of characters the horns mimic that iconography you know what i'm saying it just absolutely funny. No, and right. you still have the tail peeking out. It's yeah, it's beautiful. Yep, yep, it's really yep. Good. So Hellboy. yeah, I just wanted to note that he's his design survives anything. Duncan Fredrago, uh, for, or Fredrado draws a great Hellboy. Mike Mignolo draws a great Hellboy. Yeah. Adam Hughes draws a great Hellboy because Hellboy is great. You know 100%. what, uh, guys? Ron Swallow is going to draw a Hellboy for the next Patreon people, and I don't know how good it's going to be. Probably not good. But I mean, if I'm you if, if you watercolor it like this Mike Mignola sketch, that is okay. like that would be Extra. over the top. <laughs> Extra yeah. points, baby. Yeah, I'm, and I like I'm that. Start learning how to watercolor right now. Uh-huh. Yeah, we're, and when we're going to talk, we're going to talk as we go back to Hellboy in our character design one. The the him having zero shoulders is hilarious. It's always yeah. every every comic book character it's all about having these super broad shoulders and with hellboy they're just like nah not necessary that's mike mignola man just just fucking great man hell he might even have kind of small arms and well they're certainly not 
they're, they're, they're you know, he doesn't get his strength from lifting lumps. Yeah, you know, yeah. he he's dragging his hand around. That's why it's strong. <laughs> yeah. No, he's he's almost wiry at times. Like he's not yeah. really portrayed as being really muscle bound. Um, in contrast, this was an interesting one. You guys wanted to throw this up here. Uh, I don't necessarily. I mean, maybe from a character design standpoint. But guys, why are we talking about the Hulk? <laughs> what, is, what is happening right now? I, oh, to come be on. Fair, you don't love that right there? This Ryan Otley Cyclops. The, space, the spaceship Hulk design, as ludicrous as it is, that was a pretty good story. And this is a pretty cool design, but it's so not the Hulk. What what's what's the thought here? What are we what are we talking about? Well, I just wanted to mention anytime the Hulk actually I was gonna mention like uh look up his uh for you at home or whatever, his anything any of the costumes from the indestructible Hulk era. He was just wearing like this Mar- Walter Simonson drew it, Mahmoud Asar drew it, all these brilliant artists drew it, and it never uh Leno Francis Yu drew it. It never looked cool because the Hulk had too many clothes on. It just doesn't work. Hulk with actual clothes on. Hulk with a uniform that he shows up for some fucking job. Mm. It's just antithetical to the character. Like, And again, it goes back to character design. He's going to be a big one in character design. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, costume design, he's never going to be in the conversation because he can't have a fucking costume. <laughs> he's like one of the only characters that literally can't. And you can say I, the purple pants or whatever, but he can't have a costume costume. The only it's not a, it's not even a counter argument, but the one maybe exception is the World War Hulk outfit. Oh, he, totally agreed. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That kind of barbarian style look eh, that, that worked, especially yeah, for that story. Him ending up in some clothes. All right. Him going to a closet and be like, yeah, daddy, I'm about to put this motherfucker on. And that that's just ridiculous to me. Uh, Agreed. Agreed. Strong agree on that one. So, so I did find some Hulk armor for us. Just I'm going to put it up over here. Let's see, boom. That Jeez. does. Yeah, look see, stupid. that's that's Walter Simonson drawing the 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 indestructible Hulk outfit. Yeah, just look at it. Yeah, it's just great drawing. Great drawing. Yeah, but, but yeah, it's it pathetic. doesn't make sense because you. I don't know if you've ever seen anything hit the Hulk. It doesn't do anything to him. Armor is unnecessary. Well, it's just like those Jim Lee, which we're not going to show, but those Jim Lee, Superman, and everybody designs where he made everybody oh. look like they had segmented armor. It's just like, man, an armored up Superman. Next thing you know, we got we got uh, Aquaman with a whole scuba suit on, baby. Yeah. <laughs> you know, although I did enjoy the Hulk, but, you know, he was mostly naked in the in, in the Thor Ragnarok. Well, uh, that was a take on the, the World War Hulk ar- armor from the comics. Yeah, so maybe that's why I enjoyed it, because it kind of feels like... It's something he just put on because he thinks it looks cool. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a gladiator costume. Yeah. All right, so I want to take us uh, to some of the weirder corners uh, of this. We still have some big characters that we're going to return to, but let's just spice things up. I am a huge, huge fan of the 1990s design of the Ray. Oh, oh yeah, Casada. Well, Here's, dude, yeah, the Ray is clearly late for band practice. That's all he thought. <laughs> That's all, that's the one that I mean, you know, he's definitely looking nutcracker-esque with this jacket. But I do get what you're saying in regards to a simple, iconic design of the 90s. And I love me some weirdly limp wrists and gloves. I used to draw that look all the time. I bit that off of Casada, weirdly limp wrists coming out, doing something athletic. And the fucking, that was my sham, dude. Yes, yes. And, and let me say, like, 
a little Michael Jackson style into it. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I like that those shoes are clearly shoes. Like they've got a they've got a little of a you know a little fold over there with the boot style on that. Well, it's that I, it's that same limp wrist. He's got a limp ankle thing there too. Yeah, on yeah, his, on his yeah. Shoes. yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty dope. Um, but also terrible all at the same time. I'm sorry. Well, well, here's here's what I will say in its defense. Take a look okay. at this image. Oh, I I love two things. The first one being. All right, we've been talking about silhouette, right? And you got to make better. a recognizable silhouette. Well, so the the shitty version of this is Sunspot from the X-Men, where it's like mm. when when he uses his powers, he's just a living silhouette, and when he does that, you realize how lame his costume is because the silhouette just looks like it could be anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I love the idea of taking a character who becomes a living silhouette and you give him these very sort of iconographic designs on this jacket that he wears. The stripes and, are ill. Yeah. yeah that's what I'm are. saying. And it becomes so cool to look at when he's all powered up like this. And then number two, I just think that helmet is dope. Yes. It's a, it's a take on both the, the, the Dr. Fate helmet and the captain Marvel, the original captain Marvel, mm-hmm. the pre captain Marvel helmet, but it's a cool looking helmet. It's got that fin on the top that looks partially aerodynamic, but also like partially it's just there to look cool. But it sort of goes with the oversized lapels. Like there's a certain exaggeratedness to the character that uh, holds true up through the helmet. And just the fact that like he's often portrayed with this weird built-in chin strap that like goes down into this armored neck. Like it's a helmet design that you're not really finding on any other character. And like I mentioned before, like I'm just a huge mark for really unique mask and helmet designs. Yeah. Now I, there are a couple characters that I'll uh, talk to you about later as we get to them that I, I, ha- I have to have them have a chin strap. I think, I think a chin strap is perfect for a few characters. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so, you know, props to the Ray. I think he's an underutilized DC character and, and, Frankly, I'm also a huge mark. Again, high contrast when you're doing black on white with like really bright yellow. I love a high contrast costume. When you can make it work in high contrast, like this costume would work just as well in black and white as it does in color. And to me, I think that's the mark of a great costume. Yep. All right. Let's let's move on. Um, There's just some weird. We'll come back to the weird ones I've got down here. All right, let's go to um, what I thought was a controversial choice, and that is Captain America. Yeah. Ed, take us through the thought process. I picked Captain America because you know what? It is a a really classic comic book um, costume. And I think by certain by a certain standard, it does. It's hard for it to meet the silhouette standard, but it does when you look at the flare for the boots and the flare for the gloves and the and the wings at the helmet mm-hmm. and probably he and hold, he'd be holding his shield you know there's i mean the fact that he's a flag and the vertical the vertical um 
stripes going down towards his, you know, I mean, this is just iconic stuff. And the very fact that they, it was one of those costumes that they felt like they would never be able to do on screen. And when you look at every damn Captain America from the worst to the best, they all have something to do with this exact classic. Uh, There's some DNA of this inside every single version that they've ever done. And I just think that's impressive, dude, for something this kind of goofy and buccaneer looking to be able to be updated and put into stuff. And it's just it's like it's one of the more iconic Marvel costumes, frankly, is to me, it's like this Spider-Man uh, Silver Surfer, which is naked. Yeah. Uh, you know what I'm saying? There's 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 it's well, up here as far as Marvel iconic, uh, you know, uh, costumes. I will say this, like. It is a great adaptation of what I would argue is kind of an over-busy flag design. Like, the United States mm-hmm. flag is is pretty overwrought. Uh, and so to strip it down the way they have and make it work so well, and to do some things that you really don't see in a lot of superhero costumes, such as, like, bisecting him across the chest and the biceps, mm-hmm. like, that's... You know, that's sort of a weird choice, but again, they just make it work. And the idea of like using the glove, using those sort of buccaneer style gloves and boots, I don't know why Jack Kirby decided to do that, but it does somehow work. And well, so, it adds it yeah. adds a look of being a sailor or a, a military guy of some type, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it almost it almost feels like like a formal military uniform in some way. Yeah, like in right, an like school. a dress, like he's fighting in his dress uniform. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Which which they even carry that into like the movies and stuff. Like he was just sort of a for show type mm-hmm. of guy. But yeah, I just I I like I said, it's one of those you. you it's one of those. You know what? I judge things by yes, you want to draw that character. But then when you start doing it, it's hard. That's my line of who's a fresh character. Spider-Man's up there because when you ask to decide to draw Spider-Man, you just get your little coloring book out. You're ready to go. And you start, fuck, how many webs I got to do? Oh, oh, the eyes got to be in perspective. I got to make this eye slightly smaller if he's tilting his head. Oh, yeah. It starts getting hard. And you start, okay, now the seam on his arm, how does it go? That's what happens when you start trying to draw a Spider-Man. Same thing with Captain America. You think Captain America is so yeah. goddamn simple. How mm. many how many things are across his trunk? How, mm. wh- how is the star sitting? How big is it against the stuff? Blah, blah. You know, all this My stuff. My attempt at Spider-Man is uh, that. And you can see, <laughs> not great. Well, hey, I, I love it. From, from that definition, Ed, I will, I will say for Captain America – his eyes always gave me such a hard time when I was a kid yeah. because they're not the white built into the mask eyes of almost every other superhero mask. Nope. Yeah. No, you have to actually know where the orbital is on some level Yeah. and put that motherfucker in there, dude. You got, you got to really do it. And, and, and then to like draw the shield. I don't care yeah. how many protractors your ass has. All the ways of drawing the shield in perspective and and, and and even as a flat object, it's it's a task, man. I, like I said, I, I included it in plus. Yeah, I love Mike Zek. I wanted to give Mike Zek some props because a lot of these uh, Captain America drawings are Mike Zek. And I think he really made the design sing, yeah. made it seem like something that is like really cool. 
Because, yeah, you could draw Captain America poorly. It's very easy. <laughs> oh, for sure. You know what? He's kind of downplaying it here, but you do see hints of it is that scale mail, that chain mail armor look for the top of his chest, too. Like, that's a weird decision from a design mm-hmm. standpoint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's great to see artists kind of get, get around it. Like, uh, here, here's a few. Yeah. I'm yeah. done. Um, all right. Well. I want to counter that with a pick of my own before we move on to another one of the most iconic Marvel characters. I think the greatest flag based character design of all time. Oh, is Captain Britain. Oh, yeah, that's pretty good, dude. I mean, his helmet is great and that's a chin strap helmet necessary. Yes. I have no opinion on Captain Britain as a character. I don't know that I've ever read anything other than his ultimate universe version but going back to my days as like a nine, 10 year old looking at Marvel trading cards, mm. no costume was cooler to me than the Captain Britain costume. I mm-hmm. think, I think the way that they use white, the fact that like the majority of the costume is white, but then they, the way that they use the Union Jack symbol in both the mask and the torso. And even something about these dark side style thigh high boots, which is a weird choice. But like, again, from a proportion standpoint of like just balancing the design, it works. I yeah. think this. I think this design is kick ass. And it feels like a British person would wear those boots. <laughs> That's very true. Well, well, yeah. It's like, it's I, like I, I like my boots Fox. to go over my knees, you know, because like it rains. And I don't it's, what my, it's like my fox hunting get. type gear yeah. or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so, some exactly. hoity-toity out in the woods sport where, you know. Uh, oh, well, I'm riding my horse. I've got to make sure I have my over-the-knee boots. <laughs> and I love, I love the flappy gloves. That is fucking sick. Yeah. And I definitely like how the Union Jack... Into, goes on his head and even where the mask line is i didn't really realize that about the design but like right where the mask line is where his face busts out there's yeah. some union jack shit coming <laughs> union jack shit <laughs> uh uh coming out and yeah the x that that's made and where the white is this is sick what the one thing i always remembered was how dopely he was drawn by alan davis like oh, these yeah. are a lot of these are alan davis drawings and stuff like that's alan davis sure. really 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 got him and brian hitch got him a bit too because he was biting off alan davis at the time uh before he took a limitless pill and went crazy uh because he's because he's he's far more than a clone now definitely never never would say that but like alan davis and brian hitch back in the days drew the hell out of some captain britain yeah wait can you go back to that one with the dead spider-man yeah is that british spider-man yeah i think captain britain had a bunch of multiverse adventures that sounds awesome. I want to see British Spider-Man. British Spider-Man. Yeah, uh, see, for sure. And like, you know. Bit too many well, webs on this costume, isn't it? Ain't it? <laughs> ain't it? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway. Anyway, big ups to Captain Britain. I do like the way awesome. that those flared gloves, like you mentioned, Ed, like that's that's sort of the only overt callback to the Captain America costume, but it does make these of a piece. Mm-hmm. Um And I also like there's something about this stripe that goes across his torso and the way that they make three color, like three dominant colors work. I would argue like probably better than Captain America. Not since Superman 
has a costume utilized three clashy dominant colors in such a cohesive way between the blue, the white, and the red. So I don't That's know. good. Big ups. Big ups to Captain Britain. I, all I, right. love, I, I love when someone who is a guy who punches people has real gloves, by the way. Oh, yeah. Like, mm. like is, a, is like a throwing punches type of guy has gloves that he puts on, not gloves that are part of the costume or whatever. So agreed. Um, all right. So now we've we've talked about some also rans, but as long as we're talking Marvel, let's get into it. The little Canadian runt himself, and I gotta start with his original appearance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, baby! The Wolverine. Yeah. Uh, that's this Herb is the great Trimby, Herb you know. Trimby. Yeah. Jack okay. Abel on the inks. Um, yeah, <laughs> I love Can the I say fact this looks like terrible. <laughs> well, <laughs> comic art has evolved since the 60s, but you yeah. do this on a fucking daily to feed your fucking family yeah, in 20 minutes. Yeah, uh, well, you know, you usually do a page a day, but yeah, back then they were doing a lot faster than that because, yeah, they had to feed their families. But anyway, yeah. the point is this the, the actual design is really interesting because you see like it's almost like whiskers around his nose area they kind of did a whisker thing and oh. even that and and th those lines around the top of his nose going in toward the eye holes or whatever those things are kind of harkened back to when you see people start to draw that sort of symbol for the people's foreheads to indicate that the forehead is is that's where the forehead is. Mm, yeah. That's really interesting. I think maybe those guys were looking at these comics, being like, "What the fuck is those lines? I'll push them up. That'll be where the head is." Yeah, very interesting stuff. And again, he's bisected by a belt. He's wearing trunks, and these type of flary, girly boots that superheroes wear. I think this is what put all the manly men off of the comic comic books back in the days. Honestly, looking at all these thigh high boots, like these dudes yeah. look like hookers, man. <laughs> also, I, I gotta say, it is I, it is not ideal to fight in those type of boots. Well, I mean, you really get into the logistics of like, do those things catch on his other leg when he's like running and shit? He's got <laughs> right. giant spikes flaring out of the side of his calves. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's but I think Wolverine's a, a great character to talk about because he's gone through so many costume variations yeah. and yet they all kind of work together like they're all variations on this original costume, which you might argue is the weakest of all costume designs for Wolverine. And well, yeah, I mean, every cool. every good design, the, the, the scallop shoulder joints. Yeah. Uh, the way that the, the the vertical stripes that come over his shoulders, like set his they always draw his head in the middle of his chest and those just kind of set it off. You know what I mean? They, yeah. uh, every giant every, leprechaun belt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Every design, every design loves that belt. Almost every Wolverine design loves that damn belt to they this do. day. I did want to show this drawing, which is sort of a Ooh. modern painted sort of Joe Jusco version of the original costume. I'm not going to say that it's less goofy, but like you can see how the DNA of Wolverine is really mm -hmm. in that original design. I mean, yeah. I kind of love that mask, dude. It's kind of it, fresh. It, it is, is fresh. And, and to be honest, like the, the more modern masks are just an updated version of this which mm -hmm. in and of itself 
was such a weird departure for superhero masks. Like it took the idea of Batman's horn slash ears and turned them into like weird fins that run the length of his brow line and wrap around. And like to this day, I'm still not sure exactly how this would work in live action. Maybe we'll find out when we get to uh, Deadpool three, but like, it's it's a weird design that looks so cool on the comics page. It really. Let's does. get to his second design, the the brown suit. Yeah, John Byrne here. This is actually sort of a, a weird take where they're replacing some of the brown uh, with black. So let me see. I know I've got a more traditional. There's a Frank Miller version. This is my favorite Wolverine costume. Yeah, no head piece. Well, I, it's not even so much that because, like, yeah, I guess Miller did draw him a lot without a head, without a mask. Well, because his well, hair, he, his hair yeah. becomes part of the character design in those scenarios. This yeah. cover is fucking amazeballs. Just really quick, just allow me to wax this thing's car because I love how Frank Miller is not concerned at all with drawing Wolverine's claws. They, they're such an afterthought in this picture; he does not care. But look how lovingly he has drawn these ninjatos and katana blades. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? He and all the scabbards. People got double scabbards and shit. People got ninja wraps and stuff. You can see their toes where their toes go into their uh, their tabby or whatever. All of this like Japanese art student shit. That he's doing so good, you know what I'm saying. He even has one of the swords has a serrated uh, edge on the on the knife blade. You know what I'm saying? That's heading towards you. So all this shit, and he just doesn't give a shit about drawing those claws, dude. He just doesn't <laughs> give a fuck at yeah, all. Just three claws, <laughs> real short, a little more realistic if you think about it. They coming like out of that saber, the, the length, the length is great. They just I love like saber tooth tiger fangs. Yeah, I love a shorter Wolverine claw. I think that that looks dope. Yeah, the um, see our episode on uh, <laughs> we had a knockdown right drag out too. fight about how long his goddamn claws should be. <laughs> Ron, yeah. Ron was very much the dissenter in that one, so that that was interesting. <laughs> it's a fun one. Uh, but this is Mark Silvestri right here. Uh, this is showing dope. you the illness of his suit. Yeah, this is good shit. Yeah, and yeah, this, this is, is where they stuff. they really codified the look of the mask, and you know. I'm more of a fan of sort of low profile fins, whatever you want to call these things on Wolverine. But Sylvester can draw the hell out of some big, bold, accentuated. Oh, ones. yeah. And for those playing yeah. at home, yeah, Wolverine and, issue 38, I mean, 36 of the original run. And so it's got a, oh, and you see that Wolverine up in the corner box with the, with the little lines for his forehead? That's what yeah. I'm talking about, dude. Yeah. It, it survives. And, and the other thing is uh, the boot has the same ear pieces basically yeah as the yeah. head so those are doubled so you're getting you're getting i guess symmetry in those uh as well and you've got the yellow with the brown uh, it's an interesting look i love that that sort of tan and brown and you know yeah. you can sort of you can push the brown more towards red you can push the tan more toward yellow yeah, yeah. but it's so unique as far as color schemes in comic. I, can you name another character with a tan and brown costume? Like, no, you just don't see that. It's so bizarre. Yeah, no, that was that was great for him. Like as a as a Western hero character. Like, oh, can you check out that one where he's about to stab Sabretooth? Oh, yeah, man, I love this man. I just, I just the spittle. The uh the the and and just yeah how his claws come out and you can see even in this drawing his claws are about as long as his forearm if you were to extrapolate his forearm they're about 
the length of his forearm. This is a nice era for art about Wolverine. And you can see his like his fangs because he's really gone feral. Him and his daddy or his grand uncle or whatever the fuck they decided it was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, go, whatever going it is. feral on each other. Yeah. Yeah. And I the, the other thing about this about Wolvie is you know, you talk about that um uh the the silhouette. It, Wolverine doesn't there's no other silhouette. It's not like it's not exactly like Batman. Oh yeah. Add the claws in and obviously that's part of character design. And again, I'm sure this is another one we'll be hitting on the character design. But uh, it's still part of the costume at the same time. Even if the claws are out are in, you still got the bumps mm-hmm. on the that hand. Indicate, yeah, yeah. That there's something about it, to launch out of here, motherfucker. Yeah, exactly. So it's like it, it, all of this is really well thought out, and and just an, and it makes sense. The brown and uh, uh, I guess the two brown version makes sense because it's also a guy who lives in the forest and is constantly in colors like that. Well, mm-hmm. that that I think makes the most sense because it's like that's functional for the sorts of environments he's in. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to point out just a quick quick props as far as character design. Like you can tell it's Wolverine even when he's just wearing jeans and a jacket, and yep. that goes down <laughs> to like the hair and the claws and all this other stuff. But that's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Yep. But like, let's take a look at how the costume evolves a little bit because. A real, I have a real soft spot for this Jim Lee uniform era, where that it's is... like the yellow X Men uniform with the blue undersuit. Um, Wolverine looks kick ass in this, and this was one that did not have any sort of mask or helmet, so he was always just barefaced. Yeah, but the yeah. hair there is gives it away. So, oh, of course. Yeah, that is dope. That is dope. Um, yeah. How do this you is an guys? Era. How do you guys feel about the it's doesn't look like a boot? How do you guys feel about that? Well, what do you mean? It's got it's got straps at the top. All right, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I think I think one of the things that these live action versions really teach you is that boots, even more so than gloves, like boots as drawn in the comics, just don't work that well. No. Um, again, I'll give props to Man of Steel. Like they did Superman's kind of seamless form-fitting boots pretty well. Um, yeah. But like, it's tough to make that sort of form, like formless, shapeless, tight around everywhere look make right. sense. You know, right? And plus, you're just doing them nude and adding little noodly shit. Right. You know what I mean? Like the, you see, he just drew that leg nude, and he was like, "Oh, let me just go a little bit over and put these straps on here." You know what I mean? It's yeah. Just, everybody's naked, right. naked and afraid. Oh, uh, let me see that Wolverine when the dark. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love Ooh. it. So speaking Dude, of Jim Lee, Lee uh, Jim, Jim Lee, Lee does these drawings that are just for like uh, for Twitch streams and for charities and shit. And he really just gets down on those drawings, man. This, oh, God, this and this is... version of the costume is what I would consider to be like the classic Wolverine costume, which is the costume that he had in the 1990s animated series. It's it's a take on his original costume, just a little bit more developed, a little bit more codified. Like they've, mm-hmm. they've really settled on what the design should look like. And so it's that... It's that iconic mask that's ported over from the tan and brown design with those big ass blue shoulder pads and then those just pointy streak designs across his the top of his chest and the sides of his ribs. Um, 
it's a it's it's wildly impractical like you would laugh your ass off if you ever saw a grown man wearing something like this in real life but as a piece of iconographic design it's sick it's awesome yeah 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 i mean i think that's why he gets the drop on everybody they just they go (laughs) and then they're just throats are slit yeah. I want to add one of our buddies, Jeff Johnson's uh, uh, version on here, too, just so you guys can take a look at it. It's one I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's hardcore. Yeah, with, the, with the X-Belt. Love the uh, X-Belt, yeah. Yeah, so anyways, I just wanted to add that. And in it's there. got big forearms for big claws to come out, and they got a nice bow to them. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. See that, Ron? I love that air. I mean, that was one of the other great... <laughs> Ed's just trying to pick pick old fights. Uh, <laughs> let me just say, I loved from the 90s the fact that all the X-Men really had their own super distinct costumes, but yep. they all had that black on red X somewhere on the costume just to, to sell that they were still a team. I think yeah. that's a cool way to treat the X. If you're not going to go uniforms, and I do think that I am partial to the X-Men having even just a Frank Whiteley style uniform where it's like they all have the same jackets. I prefer that. But if they are going to have their own super unique costumes, give them the red X, just have them have that one unifying element. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then finally we would be remiss if we did not also acknowledge Wolverine's costume has evolved in recent years. They got, they wanted to do away with the blue trunks and so, and and with the very '90s shoulder pads, and so they, they came added up in the very '90s pouches. The pouch, the pouch belt. Well, I mean, here's a version without the pouches, Ooh. but you can see that they they just added some interesting. Mm. I I don't know if I like this better, but they essentially took the sides of his torso down to the sides of his thighs and made those the dark blue that his trunks used to be. And then they cut into those dark blue fields with yellow pointy streaks, uh, mimicking his old design. And then they Mm. also took, they took the flare off the boots as well. Well, this one still has the flare. It's changed a bunch in recent years. I've seen designs that don't have the flared tops on the boots, but they've been playing with that design. It's like, they don't want to go too far from the one everybody knows, but they want to update it and make it less corny. So you just this keep one seeing right here is this one's not as bad. It's got these little yellow things on the the diamonds on the side here mm-hmm. that, that I think are kind of cool. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's the inverted. That's I kind of like it. I, I like yeah. the other one better. <laughs> well, we're also old men. We should acknowledge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am. I mean, yeah, I like I'm, the reversing of the field. I just don't think that I like the the actual yep. uh, change of the. I like that change of the mask. We're looking at uh, Wolverine and the X Men. Uh, I guess number thirty two mm. right now. The cover of it. Uh, all the little, uh, all the little crawlers. demons. All the little nightcrawler demons are jumping out, and they were they were dealing with that for a while. Ed Wolverine trying to lead the house to this problem, but yeah, his his mask is very close to the to the vest, almost like how uh, they did Captain America's mask for the movie. They just sort of sanded it down to its most effective way they could do the wings and sort of paste them on the side. The most effective way you could do the mask is sort of give it just a little relief, but just sort of paste it to the side of his face. 
That's badass. I love that. No, I I agree. We don't have an image in here, but Ed McGinnis also does sort of those low profile fins. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I think that's one of the best looks. Like I'll take that over these more pronounced right. flaring fins any day. Because I just think that's gonna get caught up in the underbrush while you <laughs> while you're stalking motherfuckers, whatever. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like too many of these wide ass you know, design elements would stop a stealth character. I don't know why they think that that's so cool. Yeah. Well, and we just saw uh, all these little demons. Let's talk a little bit about the, the furry blue elf nightcrawler. I picked this. So iconic. I picked this character and this is another one that crosses between costume design and character design. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, you know, the, the three finger, you know, dark blue skin, demon tail is all a huge part of what makes this character work. But again, as someone who loves a high contrast costume, I fucking love this classic costume. It's, it's I mean, a yeah. black costume with really unique designs at the, the edges of the boots and mm-hmm. the and the gloves. This it's is that Dave Cockrum shit, dog. Yeah, man. This goes all the way back to new X-Men number one. And it it is untrifled with to this day because this is one of the great costume designs in all of comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's got those great shoulder things that are like um, a, a sort of, uh, again, th- this is one of the things that I really like when they do well in a costume is that's part of what his head looks like. So the ears are yeah. like the shoulders and it, and yeah. it and yeah. it's a symmetry yep. in it that that is you know repeating on the on the character it's really cool absolutely yeah and you mentioned that with wolverine too and i i agree i think that goes even back to what we were talking about with batman it's like you look across his costume and he's got these pointed motifs kind of everywhere mm-hmm. and yeah, you're yeah. seeing that here too in a way that i think works really well and, and different than Batman, because there is this sort of organic elf shape to the ears. And yeah, the shoulder pads just echo that weird organic elf shape, which I think is dope. Yeah, I love those specific buccaneer boots for him. That was pretty slick right there. Yeah. I, I love that. I mean, he is a pirate at that time, so. Yeah. That's yeah, nice that's that swashbuckling feel to him. Mm-hmm. And even if you look, if you look at this sort of scalloped glove design, there's That's another example of, of recalling uh, what Ron's talking about, where it's that same shape language just carried throughout the rest of the com- uh, costume. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And absolutely. this is great. I'm like learning a lot like, <laughs> just by us going through this and looking at this. Like, I mean, I've, you know, it's one of those things where, like, when you don't look at it closely, you still see it because it's there, but you're not like taking note of it. So, really looking at it and taking note that people, who designed this stuff was like, Oh, I want to, I want to show what, you know, I want to add symmetry to all the costume within the character's look. And it's just brilliant ideas. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they say great design goes unnoticed because it's like when you really just nail it, people just accept it. And this goes for like interior design, building design, design of a magazine, whatever. Mm -hmm. When you really just nail it, it just feels like, oh yeah, that's exactly how it should be. So you're able to just move on unperturbed. But when you really start breaking things down, you realize, oh man, there's a lot of thought that goes into making things just feel right. Um, All right. Let's talk about one of the other original superheroes, uh, 
the partner of another entry on this list. And that, my friends, is Robin slash Nightwing. But let's start with the Robin costume, if I can find him. Here we go. Ed, uh, yeah. you, you brought this into the conversation. <laughs> I did. Because, Let's talk about it. Because, look, again, this exact suit, which is like even itself a modernization of the Dick Sprang or whatever era, um, <laughs> Dick Sprang era of, uh, <laughs> of the Robin suit. The Robin Hood motif comes through for the chainmail chain mail draws to his like little um, his little shoulder, the shoulders being green, his vest being uh, red. The way the shoes his little, are. His little cape, his little, yeah, his little woodland nymph, uh, what you call it. And then that design gets all the way up to being actually fucking fresh with like Damien's design, Tim's later designs. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like it, all of those same motifs are in these much superior designs. You just had to give it about 70 years to percolate is what just, I'm saying. Just had to <laughs> marinate a little bit. You know what? One thing I have to bring up and I added this and you didn't, you don't know that I added this, but this original design was recently reinterpreted by the brilliant artist, Dan Mora in the pages of Batman, Superman world's finest. And so he gave Tim Drake a new version of the original Robin costume, and it incorporates elements from some of the later costumes as well. But this shit is awesome. He keeps the nice. collared cape. He keeps the elf booties. He gets rid of the totally impractical briefs with no pants underneath. But he's mm -hmm. still, but he, it's not like he's turning anything black. He's not trying to make him look more ninja like or more badass. Yeah. He's just giving it little the tweaks. The nice. green's a little darker, so it's not quite as bright. Yeah. Yeah. Still yeah got a I really love tape, that. But no, I, re I really love that. I really, really love that. Yeah, because it's it's, he's an impractical character. I mean, if you're just going to embrace embrace the Batman that would have a Robin, obviously something in the way, man, <laughs> doesn't need a Robin. I don't think he'd be very good for a Robin. But whatever Batman they do in the so-called real DC universe should have a Robin because, God damn it, it's time. It's time for them yeah. to take that aspect of him serious. You know what I'm saying? I or as, serious as, you, as seriously as you can take that. And, and of course, this version of the Robin that we're looking at from the World's Finest series is written by Mark Wade, and just an absolute dead-on interpretation. The, the series itself is set in the past, obviously, and so Dick Grayson is still Robin. He's a member of the Teen Titans. Batman and Superman are in their prime. Amazing writing in this series. From a character-level standpoint, I don't know if the mm -hmm. plots are going to light your world on fire, but from a character standpoint... One of my favorite interpretations of Robin, and I, you know, I'm on record of loving Damian Wayne, but just mm -hmm. doing great work. Um, another look at the at the at the Dan Mora Robin. I, I just I just think this is so brilliant as far as uh, character reinterpretation, and it really looks like a bird. Well, yeah the the cape They're the cape looking like bird wings is a great touch as well. Yeah, I mm -hmm. think that's a. That adds again. It's one of those things where you're like, okay, well, this character is based on a bird. Let's fucking let's do it. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, so just when I make the swallow, it's gonna have a fork-tailed. Uh -huh. Okay. Anyways, but yeah, just uh, to go back to what you were saying, Ed, like 
the costume goes through many iterations, and I think that this Damien costume that comes out during the the Morrison and Quitely Batman and Robin run is about as good as it's going to get for a, a badass Robin dude, costume. He's just hard as hell. Look at yeah. him, dude. He's got his little his little shirt on. He's got knee pads and stuff. He's ready to rock, dude. Yeah. And he's got little scallops on his little baby gloves, and he's only got room for two of them, so he only gets two. <laughs> and, you know those, what I'm and those boots are like for breaking things. Oh, those are yeah. some steel-toed combat boots, baby. Those yeah, are, yeah, those are real ass boots. Yeah, it doesn't have so. booties. Like, yeah, that's that's a Frank Quitely type of design thing as well. Just I like that. Very real shoes. Those look like ass kicking shoes. <laughs> they do. <laughs> well, and so of course, uh, as long as we're talking about Dick Grayson Knight or Nick Dick Grayson Robin. He eventually becomes Dick Grayson Nightwing, who is in here somewhere. There he is. Uh-oh. Um, let's talk a little bit about this costume, Ed. What, what's, what's your take on the Nightwing costume? Because this is another one that's gone through many different variations over the years, starting, of course, with the yeah. great disco collar version from the Titans gotta be, era. Got to be honest, I, I enjoyed this. I enjoyed that a lot. I don't know why, yeah. what it is, but there's something fun about that. Yeah. Yeah, ladies, you want to come down to my uh, go get in my waterbed? Yeah, <laughs> that's what this. That's what this. Is. Mama. Oh, dude. Well, I mean, I think that Nightwing calf work has put in so much time with crappy costumes over his years, from his wearing that that Robin costume forever to let me come on, man, look at this. I yeah, wanted us to kind of acknowledge how far my baby has come. All these girls are drooling over him right now, talking about he's got a fat ass and all this shit. That's great, yeah. and that's true. But he's been put through hell as far as costumes. <laughs> are, he's been put bad. through hell. I yeah. forgot about those ones. And that's well, that's Norm Brayfogel drawing three out of the however many of these are. You know what I'm saying? And it's still all well drawn, by the way. But well, that's the thing. I mean, I, I think it goes to show again. We talk about the iterative nature of comics a lot on this channel or this show, and about how like that can sometimes be a boon for creativity. Look no further than the Nightwing costume design because you start with this, which is the most seventies thing you can imagine. And they just keep playing with it all the way up through the 90s, which is where most of this art is from. And they just can't nail it. And then finally, in like the mid-2010s, we get this, which is just this stripped-down, super, again, iconographic, high-contrast design. Um, I don't know if it passes the silhouette test, but I think maybe even with the Escrima sticks in the back and it the hair. It gives you an idea. Of, yeah, it it. it it's arguable that it could pass that design. Yeah, I think this is the apotheosis of the uh, the suit that was kind of started out in uh, the Scott McDaniel and uh, Chuck Dixon run of Nightwing. Right, like this is kind of the the graduation of that suit. They kind of in on that suit, they kind of did away with the shorts. It kind of had him have sort of pants and. And his boots had a little blue in them. And the main design element was that stripe across the chest that was the blue bird for the night wing. And they're always having like it be like sometimes it's a V, sometimes it's a scallop slope. You know what I'm saying? It's just all these different things to different to different artists. But I like sort of a V and the screamer stick thing. It's just, man, biting off my man Daredevil. But I, I also love, though, one thing I do love is this uh, particular picture we're looking at is, I guess, Nightwing from, uh, they're doing some jigging in 2021, where basically uh, the artist, um, 
uh, I think what's his was it Bruno? Bruno, Bruno Redondo, Fernand- yeah. Redondo, yeah. He did this thing, or him and the art, him and the art, him and the writer tag teamed up on. He swings like he's swinging on the trapeze. That, that trapeze bar that you swing on in the trapeze, that's how he swings. His Eskrima shoots like horizontally from the side of it, and then he grabs the horizontal bar and swings on that. Ooh. Yeah, you got me, you sons yeah. of bitches. <laughs> yeah, that's good. It is that's good. good. It's very, you know, what I love about this is the gloves. Um, yep. Yes, yes. The, the idea that like, the the blue or the blue stripe that comes down his arm, really recalling the Spider-Man design, if I'm being honest, goes all the way through his fingers. So he's got his index finger and his pinky finger are black, but then the two middle fingers are blue, and then the underside of his hand is blue, but the rest of it is all black. There, there's something kind of complex, but not so complex that it becomes busy about that Mm -hmm. design. And it's just interesting to look at, especially when he's doing his whole flippity flip as Ron would say thing, (laughs) because he's also got blue soles on his shoes. Right. And so it makes his hands and his feet sort of stand out against the black of his uniform. And so you can contort him in all these really interesting positions, but you never lose track of like where his limbs are because of that choice in the design element. Yep. Couldn't yeah. have said it better myself. That's why that's why I kind of wanted to pick him. Because again, look how far my boys come. Now you understand yeah. my vision. Look how far my boy has come. He's slick as seal snot right now. Yep. Yeah. From there to there. All right. Well, we've got a we've got a few more in here. I'm gonna pick, you know what? Let's go real weird with this one. <laughs> Actually, hold on one second. Okay. I gotta pee. Okay. Who is next? Oh, Wave Rider. Dude, I fucking love this Wave Rider design. <laughs> I've also got just a little manga, Vampire Hunter D, which I think is a really iconic costume. Oh, nice. Um, I got Mr. Miracle in here. Oh, I saw that. It's it's a little bit down. Oh, yeah. And then I got Spawn. Yeah, it's, it's, it's alphabetical. And then I've got Spawn just because I wanted to talk about how, like, the original Todd McFarlane design kind of sucks. And then, like... The Greg Capullo redesign, like, just is kick ass. Um, oh yeah. Well, like, show me the original again, because that's something. There's something. I mean, it's one of those where it's meant to be drawn. Like, this might be the most meant to be drawn costume I've ever seen in my life. And even only meant to be drawn by the person. I think this is like a booby trap or something, man. Like that, <laughs> that, that, that where uh, Indiana Jones had to grab that bag of sand to put it on a thing to take the idol. Yeah. I think it's probably like, hey, you know what, Bob? Just, just try to draw this costume. <laughs> you know, it's like, I dare you. And this, it, it's just full of traps. And it well, took somebody brilliant like Capullo to, to like flip it and bounce it in, into something that a regular human could draw, but like graduate it as well. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you look at this and, and it's like, I don't know why the choice of just, he's got like a green lantern looking tunic with this red they give him the red gloves just because, you know, the spikes are there, but it's like they're kind of understated. And then Capullo comes in is like, fuck it, totally asymmetrical, giant gauntlet here, giant foot gauntlet here, spikes everywhere. The skulls look like fucking demon skulls. The chains start becoming like, if anything, I think Capullo made it harder to draw, but it gave it so much more like life and character. Because this is, it just, it looks like 
a dude in an overwrought superhero costume, whereas this looks like a dude wearing a demon costume, you know? Yeah, it is interesting, though. I mean, it's like, you know, you got to give a chance to grow, man. You know, yeah. he was sort of a he was very uh, he was very hot topic. Yeah, you know what I'm saying like he came out very hot topic and he became more emotional. Look, I'm a 90s kid. You throw chains on some shit. I'm in. <laughs> um, but OK, so. Uh, Space Ghost, I love, but we don't have to talk about Space Ghost. Mr. Miracle, we don't have. Oh, you want to talk about the Punisher, right, Ed? Oh, just design wise. I mean, look, it's way back in the days. They had all different types of. This is one of the more simple skulls for them. You can see iconic. Mm -hmm. You know who that is. Look at that one. That next one, Bill. Simple. Iconic. He has a freaking giant blade, fingerless gloves, like a beat it extra. He's got those 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 tubules that I don't know what you what kind of ammo you could put in a straight tube. You just dump bullets down there. I don't know. I'm ignorant. Then he's I got always, the little sketches. You know, I always thought that those things were flares. You know, like if See? he was in a sewer or something, just crack it and there. Yeah, it but goes. why would you put flares on your chest? So like, if somebody shoots you in your flares, then you blow very up. dangerous. It, yeah, no it idea. Seems very dangerous. But again, this iconic skull. People, people putting the the like two. It, that people used to draw the uh, just one big broken nostril thing. People mm -hmm. started putting the little two, the little two thing. And like this was the '90s. This is the most extreme era. Um, we're looking at a, a set of uh, Mark Teixeira drawings of the Punisher, where he's got these giant upper body and his his icon his iconic skull thing, which mm -hmm. you could do all this other stuff around. I just wanted to note that like. Of all the designs, obviously, it's so catchy. Even the cops think it's cool. Uh, you know? uh -huh. <laughs> like, if, if you have no taste and you suck ass, even you can see that this is a fresh-ass design. You know what I'm saying? And, and I think I, – I don't know. I think that's what coasted him through the 90s when, when the story started getting really bad. And yeah. they started overexposing him. His, his design was actually up there with superheroes. Well, there's something to be said for the idea that, like, his only real costume element is that skull and the mm -hmm. color black. But like, mm -hmm. as long as you maintain those two things, you can dress him up in any number of wild outfits. Like here, he's got a, he's got a sleeveless jacket on with like mm -hmm. ninja wraps around his wrists and some combat boots. But it's like that original version of the Punisher was in a straight up black spandex jumpsuit with like white gloves and white boots and that's still not a bad costume. It's immediately recognizable and kind of anything in between. It's like you can put him in military gear. You can put him in like streetwise detective gear. You can put him in superhero gear. As long as he's got that scowl and that big ass white skull that takes up his entire chest, it's the Punisher. Yep. Yep. That's why I wanted to put it in there because like it's it is it passes. I, I don't know about the silhouette test, but definitely the like dark alley test. Oh, for sure. Well, and that's yeah. another one of those high contrast designs where it's almost it's almost the anti silhouette, right? Like no matter how dark a scene you put him in, you're gonna draw that skull stark white, and it's gonna mm -hmm. stand out of the darkness. Yep. So absolutely. I think. All right. I want to get weird. Although, like I say yeah. I don't think this. I don't think the Punisher smokes. I don't know why, but I just feel like it's a thing he wouldn't do. And here's why. Actually, I do know why. Here's why I don't think he would smoke. I think he wouldn't want to smell like anything for when he had to secretly hunt a motherfucker. He okay. wouldn't want anyone to go cigarettes and turn around. Mm -hmm. I just don't think he would ever 
do something like that that would get in the way of him stabbing a motherfucker in the throat. Just my opinion. Yeah, That's a fair point. Well, this comic is so old that he's smoking like in an airport. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm gonna get weird with it, guys. Um, all right, I absolutely love this design. I am curious to hear what you guys think about it, and that is the '90s sensation from DC Comics, Wave Rider. <laughs> <laughs> Hey man, he's riding on rainbow waves through time. He was Look, very important. He has like a he has like a an afro made of energy. That that gets over on me. Look, this yeah. is just dope. Like I I don't know if this is iconic costume, but it looks this is incredible. Well, this the is, negative space on the sides yes. is what really sells it. That part yeah. is interesting. Well, that's the thing. Like, it was designed in such a way, and, and you know, maybe it's just because most of his appearances were drawn by Dan Jurgen, so it was kept consistent. But the yeah. fact that they take that black negative space, which is a really interesting design already, it's it's somewhere between Spider Man and like, I don't know, it's like even it's an even weirder design than like Spider Man with those um, with like the arm stripes. But then they use that negative space to essentially have like time energy pass through him. So he becomes this sort of ghostly figure who rides the waves of time and the way that interplays with his costume, I just thought was cool as shit. And then also the idea that he's wearing, he's like a gold silver surfer. And yes, they're definitely yeah. biting the sol- the silver surfer yeah. motif in more ways than I mean, one. Wave rider, yeah, yeah. come on. <laughs> but the fact, again, sucker for high contrast costumes, so the gold on black just hits me right in like my positive design feelings. Yeah. And the fact that they give him that metallic sheen um, without having to be as chromed out as Silver Surfer, which is always mm-hmm. a little bit hard to draw. And then, yeah, up to that freaking head on fire hair. And here's another one. You know, this is Ooh. the uh, Justice League Unlimited version of him. I really S- like that. Similar to if something works as an action figure, if it works in the Bruce Tim style, you know it's good. And right here, I think it's good. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, you know what? I am partial to like, uh, we'll talk about her in, well, as one of the people in the character design episode, but Frankie Ray, as drawn by uh, the supernova girl that's that Galactus got to be his herald mm. uh, in like the 80s. She's like, has kind of this like hair on fire look and stuff. I've always been partial to that. I think Cars Cosmic Energy is your hair, fucking uh, um, binary or, or whatever you want to call her for the, when, um, uh, Captain Marvel, became, when suit, you know, uh, Carol Monica Danvers went out into space. Well, when, oh. when, Carol, when, when, when Carol Danvers went out into super space, it became that weird uh, thing that used to hang out with the Star Jammers and shit and come fuck with the X Men every now and again. She was like, she had a flaming head. I think they called, I think they called her binary or some other shit. Anyway, yeah. she yeah. was she was a big star type of character, like even more cosmic than Captain Marvel, if you could believe it. And she used to fuck with the X Men and shit like that. But yeah, dude. This reminds me of all those type of flame head designs. Yep. I think there's just something kind of inherently cool to the way that he was treated throughout the comics. So I wanted to bring him up. Here's another character who you might not think of when it comes to iconic designs. And that is Phoenix. 
I think the original Phoenix costume is cool, but this white Phoenix costume that's sort of come about in more recent years, again, playing with how they use negative space, similar to Wave Rider, mm-hmm. I think that is kick-ass. I think it's pretty cool, too. Yeah. It's kind of like the type of thing that like an alien would wear if she wanted to have a sash. Well, yeah. You know? I, the sash I could take or leave, but I, I think this works... A lot like what I was talking about wanting the Superman suit to work like, where it's like the suit itself almost has this luminescent quality where it's like even if her face is in shadow, the suit is still kind of glowing. You know what I mean? I think that's... You know what's interesting about the sash, though, is that you know how we were talking about the symmetry, Mm -hmm. her hair does what the sash is doing. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a great way to fulfill that function of the superhero cape of like motion and energy and, and just more to draw without giving her a cape. Like the sash yeah. is cool for that reason. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I found motion. binary. So we'll just throw binary up there. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's when she got, got a big flame head, she was like a star that was living. Yeah. Very cool. It's pretty hard. This, yeah, I, mean, I like this middle phoenix. I, that red and the yellow, the contrast and colors. You you write about that. I well, the middle one that. that that's dark phoenix, baby. Yeah, that's, dark phoenix. Dark yeah, phoenix. that's the dark phoenix design. That's probably the one I like the best. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I think uh, I think the white like my heart. <laughs> well, the white and that one have like the really cool. They keep all of all of them have the same design things, but I just like the. Uh, the symbol of the Phoenix and the, uh, yeah. and the dark Phoenix in the later costume. I love how big it is. It's like bigger than a Superman symbol. It takes up her whole torso. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's also, I mean, either one is more high contrast, right? This one, yeah. you're doing the yellow on black, which is super high contrast. It's just appealing to the eye. And then this one, you invert it and you give all the metallic parts way more detail and put them up against this field of sort of negative space white I just think that anytime you can push the this contrast in your costume, it, it's it's attractive to the eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and as long as we're on the topic, let's talk. I just have one thing to say about Storm. Um, I don't know that any of Storm's costumes are iconic. However, whoever made the choice, and I think it was Dave Cockrum, to pair sort of Central African features with these super high eyebrows and the shock white hair, that is iconic no matter what the hell she's wearing, no matter what the hell her hair is styled like. She remains identifiably Storm through a hundred different visual iterations. And I really Mm. like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Storm's thing is it goes into character design too. But like, I think all of her costumes for me, I think they 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 used to be so like what the kids now would call disrespectful. Like her ass, did, mm-hmm. her ass and belly were out all over the place, and she had a little ring that tied. She's like a go go dancer for a while, yeah. and the hot the, the, the high ass uh, boots that um that Art Adams used to draw. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and everybody's seen those images of Storm. Yeah, so like, tellingly, yeah. I, I did not choose any of those images to include here. So <laughs> well, no, 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 no. no. But those, those are like, those, you know, th- these are good choices because they represent her in the modern era, but people have seen her before 
in like you know just basically bikinis and shit with high, with thigh high boots with holes in them and shit from yeah. Art Adams drawing them and stuff. So like all of her modern costumes are so like I'm wearing a leather like thing up to my neck and a choker above my neck so you can only see one inch of my neck under my jawline you know what i mean like she's so covered up it's like this yeah uh, as a response to it and the cape always has to like since the back in the days they've decided that the cape kind of hooks onto these things at our wrists Mm -hmm. so the cape doesn't just blow naturally it's always making sort of a semicircular cloud moon knight ass shape behind her because it's connected to her wrists which i kind of don't get even though every time i draw her with a cape i do it that way because well it's yeah, the law it's the law, it's the law. It, it, <laughs> so, and that's why you know? I mean, every once in a while something just looks dope and that looks dope well it well, certainly yeah. looks you un- i mean even if you don't necessarily like the look no other superheroes have that look and so again it, it creates an iconic silhouette that can stay consistent even as you change up all the rest of her costume, which is kind of a cool thing. Yeah, absolutely. She she has her own uh, motif. She'll always have. She always she likes gloves. Mm-hmm. You know, she she seems to like gloves, and she seems to like um, like just. I I love the fact that she's free to do. I, that's why I don't like her being all covered up. I like a little little chest titty hole a little bit, you know, just little mm-hmm. a little like look, I am a hot chick and I know all about the powers that hot chicks have and I'm going to revel in that as well as be able to fly and crack the earth in half and cause a hurricane to go up your ass or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't think she's this weird chaste or this weird BDSM like all covered up but like weirdly i I don't buy all that i think she's a punk i think she's a black metalhead punk you know what i'm saying and i think that yeah yeah, it's equal a lot of sense you know yeah it's equal covered up and bound and free and she's complex in how she dresses yeah she's rebellious well I, i mean yes to all that and i guess i would just say i love the idea that she really doesn't have a standard costume like she'll yeah. she'll dress in like i said any one of a hundred different ways and just because of some of the character design choices it's always going to be storm no matter what she looks like which is kind of mm-hmm. dope. it's pretty yep. dope. yeah yeah all right, all right, so who are the who are the who are the less dregs of the, the, the Well I look I gotta give it up. The great Alex Toth gave us a fantastic character design with Space Ghost. <laughs> I, I agree. I fucking absolutely agree. Ah oh, man, you should have put some Nexus on here. He looks like he oh. looks like BDSM Space Ghost. Yeah, Just look up does. Nexus. He looks like <laughs> BDSM Space Ghost. You'll laugh your ass off. But look, I mean, in a lot of ways, yes, this is sort of a stripped-down Batman design, at least the cowl, although it's telling that, like, when they made Batman the Animated Series, they essentially just took the Space Ghost cowl and gave it Batman ears. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like he stripped down... He took the Batman design down to its essence so much that when Batman was making a cartoon, they took his design and applied it to their cartoon. Um But again, this is a design that takes high contrast and just makes it work beautifully. The yellow cape is such a weird choice. The only other superhero I could think of with a yellow cape, who interestingly also has a white costume, is Mighty Mouse. Um, Oh, oh, I guess Robin also, as we talked about. But then the idea that he is a space-based character and they give him an all-white uniform 
I think is just genius because as Alex Ross has shown us, what looks better again? Oh man, that came out small. What looks better against the blackness of space than this stark all white silhouette, except for the head where you get the white glowing eyes. And so mm-hmm. it just, it just is a character that's so well designed relative to his environment. Well, I, I love his like gloves with the three buttons. Cause mm-hmm. like, yeah, they weren't going to animate more than three things per arm, buddy. You better <laughs> push one of these three, <laughs> three buttons. <laughs> They'll do what we needed to do. I like his belt too. Honestly, that square. Yeah, there is simple. something really cool about just a square. It's not a buckle of any sort. It's just, it's, it's just square. I'm going to have his little chess piece there. His, his head is his, is his symbol. I yeah. think it's yeah. hilarious. I'll do a <laughs> so little funny. I'll do a little over analysis, but I wouldn't be surprised if Toth was thinking this way. So the big square on the belt mimics the squares on the gauntlets. So again, it's a motif that goes through. And yeah. then if you think about it, if you go head to chest symbol to belt, you go circle triangle square. And so it's taking these very basic shapes and integrating them into the overall design in a way that I think is just subconsciously pleasing to the eye. Huh? Nice. Yeah. Right? That makes sense. That yeah. does make sense. And, and again, I, there's just something about a white costume on a, and especially a white on black design that invites so many interesting visual interpretations like here where his costume is sort of blending into this huge energy burst, but still his, his black cowl with the glowing white eye is completely visible. Even as the rest of him kind of is subsumed by this blast. It just, it, it comes down to the character design, allowing you to make those interesting visual choices. Nice. Yeah. I, I mess with that. That's really cool. Yeah, man. Well, Space Ghost, he is, yeah, he is his costume in a way that a lot of characters aren't. Because I don't know, I don't know very much uh, Space Ghost mythology at all, but like his Uh, iconography has to be there. I sort of feel about Space Ghost the same way I feel about Captain Britain. Like, I couldn't tell you one thing about the character, but he looks cool as shit. So (laughs) that, that counts for a lot. Um, I want to give it up uh, for another Jack Kirby design, Mr. Miracle. Jack Kirby's new gods are ludicrous to look at, and some designs <laughs> work better than others. I think this Mr. Miracle design, specifically the Mr. Miracle mask, is gorgeous. And when interpreted by later artists, really becomes something spectacular. Yeah. Um, so this is uh, the great J.G. Jones drawing this cover. And this is technically a different version of Mr. Miracle. This is the Shiloh Norman version of Mr. Miracle. Um, but it's very much based on that original Kirby design. And when you you blend kind of those bizarre Kirby shapes with that also bizarre but iconic combination of red, yellow, and green... It's just a costume that looks nothing else like you're going to see on the comic book racks. I love the circle motif, too, because he, like, jumps on discs and stuff. So, like, there's circles all over. Yeah. And that, that I mean, that must be some real Kirby shit because, like, fucking your boy uh, Thor's got circles, too. Oh, like yeah. The, 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 something about, like, the cosmic characters having this perfect circle 
on them, a few perfect circles all over them. He but must I mean, have thought that meant something. I think that's what I mean. I think that that does end up feeling it's one of those design choices that maybe you can't explain, but whether it's because, yeah, the circle is like this perfect shape or the fact that circles recall suns and planets, whatever it is, you repeat it enough across the costume and it does give it an otherworldly kind of cosmic feel. Mm -hmm. Oh, you got Power Rangers in there? Oh, I do. I do, baby. Look, Really say get what, off on this episode. I, I'm sorry. Say what you will. These helmets are the shit. The idea I, that you can have a helmet that is uniform across characters, but has these design rules using which you can make completely unique character-specific helmet designs is fucking awesome. <laughs> That is raw as cool. fuck, dude. That Mastodon slash uh, what Rhino? It's slash, a Mastodon. Uh, right yeah, no, I'm, the I'm trunk, saying, I'm, right? I'm saying, oh, but and like then the, the, the Triceratops. The, 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 triceratops. Oh, Triceratops. Yeah, Pterodactyl here. Yep, yep. T Rex yep. here. Nice. Uh, the Pterodactyl is my favorite, honestly. It, yeah. it, it's really a sick design. And they all get different visor shapes, so it's like the parts that they see out of. It's always going to be black. It's always going to take up the, the full width of the face, but based on their animal motif, totally different shapes. Like you could just cut the visor shapes out of the helmet and that sort of functions as like a superhero symbol for each one of these Power Rangers. Oh, oh yeah. Ill. Right? That is ill. And it they they keep that consistent. So like this is, again, our, our man Dan Mora who did that great Robin redesign. But this is a bunch of designs from different eras of Power Rangers. But that idea of like their visor is their superhero symbol remains consistent. Like they all have unique visor designs. That's cool. I never noticed that. Yeah, man. Look at you, Bill. I I look. I love I love talking design and like some of these less noticed elements are my just my favorite, and just the fact that like because all the uniqueness is in the helmet, like it allows the costumes to be uniform, but like they can all be different colors because they're so uniform. Like there's a, there's a cohesiveness, yeah. you know what I mean? Like there's a cohesiveness to these power Rangers designs that like the fantastic four wish they had like that yeah. ability to have a uniform look, but like intense individuality within the uniform I don't know that you could do it better than the Power Rangers do it. Yeah, I mean, this is even better than Fred Quietly and them's um, X uniforms, honestly. Agreed. Agreed. As far as cohesive and uniformity and stuff, it's it's up there with uh, Jim Lee and them's uh, uh, X-Men uniform, you know? Yeah. And even more so, because it's like, yeah, they have to do different colors. That shit is ill. Yeah. Ron, you want to talk to us about Goku for a second? I actually wanted to do it more for character design. Although I got to tell you, if you love, if you love Dragon Ball Z, that right there, as take away the colors, everybody knows that's Goku. The hair I mean, yeah. specifically is Goku's hair, and if you know about um, Saiyans, their hair, uh, who are if they're straight Saiyans, their hair stays the same. Uh, for their whole lives. So <laughs> why is it, what? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know why that is. That's okay. just one of the things that they do. If you're full Saiyan, if you're not full Saiyan, um, your hair uh, changes and grows. Uh, if you're half Saiyan, like Trunks and uh, Gohan, their hair can be a variety of different things. But Vegeta and uh, Goku are that. And also, you know, this all means something. Like this, this symbol here is his first... Um, no, I think the symbol here is his current. There's a mm. symbol on the back that you don't see right now, but the symbol on the back is his first teacher. Mm. Uh, you know, the bell, it's, a, it's still a martial arts thing. Um, within uh, the thing here, like you see these, these uh, little blue armbands and the little blue thing here and the boots. Um, when he's training, they're all heavy. Mm. So in the middle of a fight, sometimes he's still wearing these and he's beating up somebody while wearing his heavy workout clothing. Then he's like, Oh, I better take these off. Cause somebody's, you know, giving me a challenge. And then he's that much faster. So, right. <laughs> you know, there's these little things in here that if you know about are really, are really fun, but you know, this is just a very simple one. I had actually meant this for character design. Um, well, I mean, look, he passes the silhouette test with flying colors with that hair, yeah. you know, and even even like the double layered uh, uh, shirts. And I mean, it, manga yeah. is very good about the about the character silhouettes in the design. And I do love the idea that, I mean, he is essentially wearing like a gi, but it's a very stylized version of the karate gi. And it's specific to him. Yeah. yeah no, yeah, I love that. it. And uh, yeah, well, another one we're gonna touch on in the uh, the character design one. I want to touch on Ghost Rider because it's all he is is a character design. But we're gonna touch on him in that. I, I, he's this is not costume. This is character design. So uh, okay. Well, so, as in that in that realm, I have a question for you. Um, do you think this guy counts for design or for? costume does he it and is it terrible i mean it's a, it's definitely more character design than costume design although you know the boots are pretty iconic yeah um i don't know how it's like i gotta th- i i had thought about including lobo and like i decided against it i don't know how i feel about lobo as like a character design well i i have a hard time with it too because I'm wondering if this is just one of those things where I laughed a whole bunch while reading Lobo comics mm. and was like, I, I think he's cool because of that. There's one. We got a, a cross. Well, I mean, him for some yeah, reason. I kind of think it is more um, character design than, than costume design because the, all the, all of his costume has to work with how he is physically. So yeah. it's like, I think it's part and parcel. I think the best of his comics are the ones where Simon Bisley, draws them because he's he what he got drawn before simon busley drew him he looked yeah. like terax the tamer or something with like <laughs> if terax the tamer joined fucking uh um acdc or 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 those ace of spades <laughs> guys whatever you know what i'm saying if they joined one of those bands that's what they would look like you know what i mean it just but when simon busley drew it it's just like i don't know it's it's like yeah motorhead happen. he actually started looking like motorhead for real when Simon yeah. Bisley drew it. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of so. amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I think there's a couple different characters in here that would probably work better as character design discussions. 
I will just bring up, I think the modern iteration of Dr. Fate is super cool. Um, mm, yeah. The helmet, no you know, the helmet goes all the way back to the golden age. Obviously, the rest of the golden age costume is a little bit goofy. Look at that say. fucking collar. Look at that fucking collar. I mean, the, this it is the jummy down there. <laughs> this is like the extreme version of extending the trunks so that they don't look like a bikini. This is like a straight up male uh, men's diaper. I don't I don't know what that is. Well, that, that looks like that looks like a, a one piece that got bisected. Yeah, you know what I'm saying some kind of not way. to be rude, but this legitimately looks like I drew it. <laughs> well, look, well again if you could do except that for and feed more, your family every day there's more perspective yeah, than any drug i've ever seen there's a bazillion times more perspective and you can see the helmet looks like it's a real helmet unlike whatever i would draw would not look like a helmet get some well, fucking perspective ron <laughs> yeah and i think the helmet is a huge part of this for me it's like terrible. i said i'm i'm such a sucker for helmet design and like this mm -hmm. is where that Ray helmet design that I was on about comes from. Yeah. I think this is one of the most iconic designs in comics. Um, this, this, the helmet of Naboo. Um, mm -hmm. But once they really got a handle on who this character was and started updating him for the modern day, like I think it's, I think it's a super dope costume. The blue and yellow combination I think is very unique um, anytime you could really work like big feel. Here's another yellow cape, actually. Maybe I'm just a yellow cape guy. But, like, ah. but anytime you can work like fields of yellow into a design and make it work, I think Wolverine's probably another one. You know you've got a good character design on your hands because a field of yellow should be very off-putting. Like it's just too bright, too clashy of a color. Um, so making it work, I think, is a huge accomplishment. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Just big props to, to modern interpretations of Dr. Fate. All right. Well, I, I'll suggest a dismount for us. Please. You could do that. Um, the Harley Quinn stuff, because I think I think one of the mm. reasons why you put this on here is because she had one of the most iconic costumes ever. And they just threw it out the fucking window for it to look like a fucking uh, <laughs> a, 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 a schizophrenic lot lizard. Yeah, at, at, at some kind of goddamn what's the the shit the, the loves down at the loves truck stop some yeah. schizophrenic lot lizard and she she had an iconic pixie like weird and I don't mean pixie dream girl because I don't know who the fuck dreams of this girl she was dangerous and like 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 a nightmarish vision of some cute girl to come menace you and she always had fealty to this fucked up clown so if you she saw if you saw her in the night coming to your apartment. It wasn't going to be a good for you. She was a harbinger of doom. There was something fresh about that, Dude, man. I, I completely agree. I mean, the red and black color scheme, uh, you know, the epitome of the dangerous color scheme, the fact mm -hmm. that they've got like these sharp graphic elements that recall both, um, you know, playing cards, but also especially the red ones like drops of blood or something kind of sharp. Mm -hmm. And then the fact that it's like, the Joker looks literally like a clown. So his sidekick looks literally like a Jack in the box character makes mm -hmm. perfect sense. And then, you know, incorporating the white face with the white collar, with these ruffled white um, elements on the wrists. It's again, just one of those things that like, as she's spinning and flipping and doing whatever, you can really keep track of her movement in space because they give you those white keys to focus on. Um, 
and it's high contrast, which again is a huge, huge uh, part of my book. Bruce Tim is a master character designer. I think this is one of his all-time great designs. Um, I mean, there you can see a selection of Bruce Tim Harley this. drawings. Like Look this is, this. and and those Harlequin. Um, doohickeys on her head i don't even know what you'd call them can look like demon horns in the right circumstance mm -hmm. yeah they're mm -hmm. like uh you know what they used to wear in like who's the king who could make fun of the king the jester. jesters yeah the jester it's yeah. the jester look mm -hmm. and it's also funny because it's the joker and a jester on top of that of course as well. yeah i so. mean that's the that's it's the whole point and so this is so good it's like so it, good it, and if you decided to like bisect the costume in different ways, maybe have a top half be one color and another, you could do so many things mixing it up besides just doing this over and over again. If people started getting tired of it, that's great. But like this look is awesome. There's a hundred different ways to do this and update this. Have a have that be like a like a hoodie thing or something. You know, wh whatever type of ways you can make. You know what I mean? They could have yeah. up without destroying it. Is what I'm saying. Well, and I just want to point out that, like, you can draw this in the simplest, most sort of iconic Bruce Tim style, all the way up to Alex Ross's photorealistic style, and it doesn't lose a beat. Like, it still does mm -hmm. all those things we just talked about. It's both pixie-ish and menacing, somewhere between being a jack-in-the-box and a demon. Like, it is just a fucking great design. And I don't have her her current modern look, but like to discard it for just the most sort of generic punk look, it, it bothers me a lot. Like it if does. Tank Girl sucked. Yeah. If she looks like if Tank Girl sucked. That's yeah. what she looks like yeah. right now a lot of the time. Although I will say that in the new in the in the cartoon, it's one of those things where like maybe for the cartoon it's fine. Yeah, I mean it's not it's not bad and like i get that cartoon makes a story point out of like well this costume is tied to the joker and her old life so she needs to get as far away from it as possible and so that's why she's got the new look that's about as well as you can treat that if you're gonna do it all i'm saying is i i miss the days when the joker had a henchwoman that looked like a demonic jester and, yeah yeah you know well and I, I think we all miss those days when we had a demonic gesture at our side. But uh, <laughs> the best, the best thing to assuage those feelings is to jump on our motherfucking Patreon. We'll get yeah. you through those rough times, just like those, uh, just like uh, Harley Quinn's lovingly strokes got got uh, our our buddy through all those tough times. I do believe that our Patreon is super fresh. It's patreon.com forward slash the greatest pod. I think it's a great thing for people to invest in, and I think. Uh, people leaving us five-star reviews would be really fucking awesome. It's a great way to communicate with us too and get on our programming by sending us a five-star review and then asking us a question and then we'll answer it on air. It's a, it's a great pipeline to talk to us guys. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and you're always welcome to send us an email at the email, the greatest pod at gmail.com. Uh, maybe you have a couple of characters that we missed. If we, uh, if you send us an email, maybe we'll talk them about, about them on the Patreon. So you join the Patreon, listen to the extra characters we'll talk about, that sort of thing. Um, and, you know, uh, another important thing is we are all doing our own stuff. Uh, I have an album that's out. I would love for you guys to either buy it or stream it. Streaming it is super easy. 
you just look at a, a Ron Swallow uh, on the wing of a dragon anywhere that you get stuff at, that you stream at. You can listen to it on there. You can listen on YouTube as well. Um, if you want to buy it, you can go to Amazon or iTunes and get it. And I will have links in the show notes. Yay, Christmas. So <laughs> thank you guys for listening to a well-coiffed, wonderfully costumed episode of The Greatest Motherfucking Pod.